0: 75th edition of the Chair Shop Podcast coming to you on this Monday evening, another warm Monday evening here in the south of the Republic of Ireland. I'm one of your host Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever-dependent co-host. First of all, Mr. Paul Griffin.
1: Hello Barry.
0: And of course, also with us, running at the trio,
1: Mr. Joe Towner. Hello Barry
0: lads, yep. uh, we're here with another show, we've got much to discuss, busy week, lots of news, had a big pay-per-view, had, um, you know, various uh, bits of life, got off to chat about, what kind of week did you have, uh, Paul?
1: Up and down, I would say. Mm. Um, so, first of all, I mentioned last week we had the old anniversary gimmick. Mm. myself myself and herself and so i learned after was it after it was before we did the podcast oh i think i maybe i mentioned it on the podcast last week i don't remember but that she had arranged to get me a gift right and i was like you know you don't need to be getting me stuff we're saving for a house Save, keep save your money don't worry about me but a gift was on the way nonetheless and was a surprise gift I, I had no idea what it is so um, I believe I've probably mentioned at some point on here that my phone is just the shittest phone. Okay. Um, my 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 previous because I've got a new phone, basically, is what I'm getting to. <laughs> Spoiler: my previous phone was a Huawei P smartphone, which I got okay. for like a hundred euro uh, on on pay as you go. So, Ooh. kind of the. Towards the cheaper end of the uh, the phone market. And, you know, it's functionally is fine. I don't use the phone for much anyway. Um, Twitter and uh, Pokemon Go and podcasts yeah. and Spotify. And that's basically it. I don't need it to be too intensive. But it was getting to the stage where if I had Pokemon Go open as I was walking down the canal or something, and I saw a nice, like, swan, I said, okay, I'll take a picture uh, of the swan. So i like... Close or minimize the Pokemon Go app, take a picture of the swan, send it to Natty by messenger, and then open Pokemon Go again. That process would take me about three and a half minutes. Uh, just like freezing. Uh, I'm like, okay, minimize. Nothing happens for like 30 seconds. Then it finally does, and then the camera app won't open. And then I press take a photo, and then that does nothing. And then by the time the photo is actually taken, the swan is gone, is in a different place. I've got photo. <laughs> so, anyway but i was always kind of of the you know uh approach of like look i don't need a new phone it it's fine but natty told me now that she gave me this new phone like i, I every time that you would complain about your phone <laughs> not in like a, a whingy way but like mm-hmm. well, legitimately legitimately upset by mm. uh uh-huh. but i but i was like stubborn and refusing to get a new one but she did she got me a new one it's a Samsung phone, Samsung A40. Ooh, ooh wow! Very nice. Mm. It's very, very nice. It's like, it's like going from a, you know, PS2 to a PS3, where you're like, oh my god, the loading time's real fast now. Um, the only thing is, I haven't got a cover for it yet, and it's one of these phones that's so like sleek that it's almost slippery, mm. and so I'm, I'm so scared. When I'm walking anywhere with it, I'm like... Do you know how old people hold their phones with their whole hand around them? (laughs) Like it's a (laughs) walkie-talkie. So that's basically how I am. Um, But it's great. I have everything on it. I have all my podcasts on it. One thing that's great as well is I have, as I'm sure you guys do, or at some point had, I put a lot of like old radio shows on my podcast app as podcasts. Mm. And I put a lot of my music on Spotify because you'll be surprised to hear a lot of the shit I listen to. Isn't not Spotify? What? Um, well, you can save it as like a local file to your laptop and then download it to the Spotify app, which is great. But my previous phone only had a 16 gigabyte storage. So with all your apps and the various podcasts that I download anyway, you, you don't have a lot of space for stuff. So I was having to like put 10 MP3 files on the phone listen to them, and then put 10 more on and remove the 10 i listened to. And so it was like a whole thing. And now I've got like 200 podcasts. Uh, stored Because I have now 64 gigabyte storage. Ooh. Which isn't, in computer terms, isn't a load. But for a phone, given I've never had one of that storage, is great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I have, I've exactly duplicated my old phone to my new phone, but the performance is way better. The interface is a lot nicer as well. Mm. Um, so that's great. Very happy with that. On the other side, I mentioned about two months ago that I had been to the dentist for a, a filling on one of my teeth. Right? Mm. You got uh, a phone uh, put in there. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Natty bought me a new tooth from my mouth as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> this um, this tooth specifically has given me a lot of trouble probably, when was the first time I would have got it filled? Maybe 10 years or so. But like, I, I, I probably have in my entire mouth right now, maybe four fillings. But this one tooth I've had filled three times. It's been it's been root canaled. Um, and so it's the, this, I don't know why, this specific tooth is like the first molar on the right-hand side at the bottom. Uh, it's been through the wars. So I got it filled like two months ago, and I got told, "Okay, look, you're gonna need a crown on it at some point. Um, So don't do any heavy duty eating on that side." And but I was thinking, like, I'll get the crown, but it's not super urgent. I'll wait till all the uh, restrictions related to the COVID nineteen kind of calm down. And also, I didn't want to be taking time for people who legitimately needed them because I've had with this tooth when i've gone to get a field like i had a fracture in it one time i went to get a field i was like intense pain for like a week until i got it um fixed so i didn't want to be taking time from people who needed it etc cetera, etc cetera,
2: right
1: only i was watching the own heart documentary on saturday or friday or saturday hmm. and i i don't remember if i was eating like popcorn or cheetos or what what was it exactly but i remember as i was eating i suddenly felt I guess the closest I would liken it to is like um, when you get a shard of popcorn stuck between your tooth and your gum, with like yeah. a, mo- a more in- a more intense version of that, basically. Okay, and I immediately knew okay something's happened here, and I've got in. I went into the bathroom to look immediately, and so if you think of like the the my tooth in kind of four quarters, right? Like uh, if you're to slice it vertically. In oh, four boy. quarters, from left to right, I, I already don't like this. Essentially, the inside, the inside quarter has completely cracked off. Basically, oh. now it's still in there. It has, it hasn't come out. It's just, um, it's. I guess I don't know. Like it's almost like a stressed fracture of the tooth from the from one side to the other, and it does. Uh, it wiggles a little bit if you wiggle it. Like, like I think if I wasn't being so careful since it happened, uh, it might have come out. like. Uh, so I called the dentist anyway, and they were like... Um, they're not open, actually, at the moment. I think they're opening back up on today. Because, yeah, it was Friday when I called them. So they're opening up uh, again today. And they said... Or, sorry, they're opening up next Monday. This week, they're open for, like, emergencies and stuff. And they said... Um, I explained what happened, and they said, Okay, we'll set you up an appointment. How is... Friday week. So this would be... It's Friday, the... Not not this coming Friday, but the following Friday. So basically in two weeks from this Friday gone. And they said, well, if you're in a lot of pain or whatever, we have a, an emergency dentist in. And I'm like, luckily, this tooth has been root canal, so I don't feel anything. Mm. Um, So what I'm doing for the time being is I'm just not eating with that side of my mouth at all. Um, uh, It doesn't hurt or anything, but I'm very, very... Uh, conscious about the fact that it it could at any point, if I eat an apple uh, and and forget about it because it doesn't hurt me, that I might forget about it and it's going to come out in a piece of apple, you know? Yeah. Uh, or I'd swallow it, or I'd wake up and it will have fallen out or something. Oh no! Um,
0: not to be fair, it's good.
1: it's 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 held in there pretty tightly. Um, because I don't know if it's gone the whole way. Down, if it's like completely come off because um it's basically right around where the filling is like like that part of the tooth broke off from the filling basically um i'm hoping they can do something for me like fucking put a crown on it or whatever or yank it out and put a fake one in like whatever um but uh yeah that kind of that was a a bit little bit of a sucky moment you know when you immediately have that feeling of oh what have I, what am i after doing what have i just done and then realise, oh, I have to go to the dentist now I have to get them to fix this They told me not to eat on that side I wasn't thinking about it because it's been two months Since I got it fixed and it's been fine since then And then this happens and sure luck. Anyway That's my week, how have your lads week been? <laughs> Any tooth or phone related uh, Guff?
0: Well um, I, I I also got a a, a a new toy to play with but i bought it for myself baby a little from barry to barry hope you enjoy um <laughs> i uh was looking to to just i'll be honest i was i was looking to spend some money i was like let's treat one retail therapy big retail therapy while everything is shit baby big old pile of shit uh sick of life and sick of being stuck in this house um so I was I was eyeing up um, uh, one of these VR gimmicks, right? Um, the 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 new one from uh, from Oculus, which is like a a standalone one that doesn't require uh, a PC, a beefy PC. Um, yeah. But it has it has um, some guts inside it that means it is close to a PC experience, right? Because okay. you can get these ones that are like a hundred quid, and you put your phone in, and and, and they're kind of cool, but they're not really, uh, you know, they, they, you're you're not playing like a a PlayStation quality game on it, you know what I mean? So they got this so Oculus got this thing called the Quest, and it's super super popular, and it's constantly sold out, and I was like, oh. I'd really like one. And I went on Amazon and everyone was whacking 200 quid onto the price. And I was like, oh, you bastards. Come on. now," Because it was was sold out. And so I was like, oh, well, I won't bother. So and then just as I was making my peace with not bothering to get one, uh, I I saw a tweet saying they were back in stock from the manufacturer at this price. So I said, fuck it. And I very quickly bought one before I had a chance to talk myself out of it. Um, So I got that delivered during the week um, or, yeah, last week. Um and I have to say I am absolutely loving it. I really 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 love it. Um I think I talked about my my trials and tribulations with the PlayStation VR on here. Um at the time I was going to ask
1: do you have you have the PS VR or no?
0: Yes, I still have it. I was thinking of giving it away um but first of all I got it when I got it pre-owned it was like half price. That was about 2 years ago at this stage. Um so I don't know what I would fetch for it, especially because I don't have the box. Um, so I didn't really bother. So it is in a bag. Uh, like, I think it's buried behind the luggage I no longer use. It's not, it's, not, it's nothing even close to, to hooked up anymore. Okay. Um, and, you know, to briefly uh, summarize, if you, if you didn't listen way back when or, or whatever, you don't remember, it. you know, the PSVR is cool, but it's just the the tracking issues are just too persistent for me to really enjoy it and uh, as well as needing a certain amount of space in your living, uh, your your residence, you also have to constantly be within shot of this camera, the PlayStation camera, because that's what tracks you. So if you're getting crazy and you're flailing around like a madman, and in your madness you step out of the frame of the camera, the game goes, "Oh, why well, you do it? No, nope, don't do that. No, nope. game broken. Now you've gone out of the, the way of the camera." So that so it's very, very it's very difficult, and it's very the whole process is very ramshackle. But the the thing about this quest gimmick is that it's got inside out tracking, which basically means the headset has cameras built into it, so you're not plopping sensors around your around your room. You just you put the headset on and you just play the game. That's just how it works. Um, and it comes with two motion controllers and all that jazz. So um, early impressions are really, really good. Uh, I bought Super Hot, which was the game I, I kind of really loved on the PlayStation VR, um, and I actually finished it, which I was not able to do on the PlayStation. Um, and it's it's great. It's it, the picture quality is great. The the motion controls are super responsive. I had zero uh, tracking issues or anything at all like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, early impressions are, are really, really good. I can kind of see what the hype is about the, uh, uh, about the device. Um, it's really, really cool. Um, uh, and the, the novelty sort of hasn't really worn off, uh, on me yet of, of, you know, cause I've done, I've, I've done quite a few little VR things at this stage. Um, but it's still cool when like, uh, they have a, a an Oculus TV thing. That's like some curated VR documentaries and short films and and you know when they plop a 360 camera halfway up Everest it's still mental it's still mental to have a headset on and look around and and, and get a and get a sinking feeling in your belly like oh I don't, don't like this um uh so it's really really cool so yeah uh I am uh really really happy with that purchase it it kind of feels like the um uh, the leap forward, I think a lot of people might be waiting for for VR to make. As I mentioned, the tracking's better, but also no wires. The PlayStation VR, you have a big fucking massive like a wire that I think would be used to hook up a computer in the seventies. You know, uh, it, it's you can as you move your head, you can feel the physical weight of this very thick wire connecting to the PlayStation. Um, uh, It's definitely
1: that one big penis vein of the cable world.
0: (laughs) Did you, 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 you had, you've used a PSVR, Paul?
1: Uh, Yeah, indeed.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, I, I, the the weird thing about the PSVR is it's, it's ramshackle enough that it's kind of annoying, but at the same time, I kind of appreciate it. It, it, It's like, it's, it, it sort of shouldn't work, you know, as evident by the fact that you use those, those PS3 move controllers. You know, it's it's a very weird cobbled together thing. I think it's great to give people their first taste, but I, I just found it very frustrating. Uh, so yeah, this no no wires, two motion controllers in the box that are purpose built. Again, you know the, the those those PlayStation Move controllers, they're very hokey and they're not they're not great, and they 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 die after forty minutes of use and just you know. Um, so yeah, if if anyone you know, it's not it's it's I'd say it's reasonably priced for what you get, but it's you know. it's... 400 quid depending on what model you get so it's not exactly just 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 get it on on a whim um but uh, i i would say between a not having to have a, a a grand's worth of a pc to run the stuff on it um uh is is certainly a, a big plus so yeah two thumbs up on that so far
1: very good yeah i mean the thing with playstation vr is yeah you always feel very plugged in even mm. though it's for intents and purposes supposed to be like a wireless experience. Mm. You always feel very connected. Um, that being said, I my fa- favorite game of a few years ago was a PSVR game, uh, Astrobot. Yes. Which I, oh, I'd love a sequel to that. Where's that, by the way? Um,
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think cause it, the PSVR has been a massive success. So I would not be surprised if, if that's uh, on VR 2, which I'm certain is a thing. I'm certain that's a thing
1: yeah i mean aside from astro but i, I kind of dipped into a handful of games but nothing grabbed me like like that one did
0: um, and that's that's the only that's the only uh uh the, the, um kind of uh, not not even criticism just one thing I, I think that the psvr does have a better library um it's been out a bit longer um uh the the quest can run a lot of the a lot of the very acclaimed um, uh, uh, VR experiences, but it is a standalone headset that I think has a smartphone chip in it, so it's not the beefiest device in the world. Um, uh, and then you have stuff like you know AstroBots, like First Party, so it's exclusive, so you're never going to get that. Um, I would if I absolutely would have bought Astrobot a second time if it was on if it was on this this device because I definitely would have played it again. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I will keep dicking around with that and uh, um, uh, trying out the various doodads on it. The other thing I'll mention briefly, just, just when I'm talking about it, I played, there, there's an episodic Star Wars game on there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's three episodes and it's seven quid an episode. And it's really weird because cause the value proposition of VR games is very, very weird. The episode is like 40 minutes long. Which, like, for a regular game, seven quid for a 40-minute experience would sound like a rip-off. But everything on VR is kind of expensive, so it was actually kind of all right. But that's a whole, a whole other thing. And it's basically, it's very much just a uh, uh, going through the motions. Look, you're on a Star Wars ship. or oh, you're in warp base. Oh, here's a stormtrooper. Isn't it cool? Oh, there's Darth Vader. We made him really tall, so you have to look up to see him. Um uh but it's alright. Uh and hey, when you pull the trigger, you the lightsaber goes zoom, and then when you pull it back, it goes shoop. that's all that will be great. Always. So um <laughs> um yeah, so those are my those are the two things I, I played around with. And beyond that, that was uh that was life really. I had another I had another week of being indoors doing nothing. Um it's been it's been really warm uh in in Ireland the last week. And I've been trying to kind of, you know, go out for my walk and all this other shit to, to, to make the most of it. But, you know, there is only so much we can do currently in, in, in the current situation. Mm, true. Is that life, Goff, or what about you, Joe?
3: Oh, uh, what have I yeah, mainly the same. Same old, same old, sitting indoors. Oh. Uh, yeah. Did go out today to the park. And had a good old sit in the park because it was very warm. Uh, we recently purchased a picnic blanket, so we took that along and sat on that. Listen to a podcast. Um, Listen to a podcast Michelle listens to. that I don't about. It was called How Did This Get Played, and it's about terrible video games. Oh, um, they were talking about um, Sim- an old Simpsons game from I think it was a, a SNES game. Was it a NES game? I can't remember, but it was Bart versus the Space Mutants. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. Which I didn't have as a kid. I actually had Bart versus the World, which I think was even worse. Um, the most frustrating video game I've ever played. Um, it kind of taught me a little bit about the concept of nihilism and futility and acceptance <laughs> of futility playing that game. Because you would, <laughs> you would play each level and then it would kind of assign you like a grade um, from A to F based on how well the level went and it mm-hmm. just seemed completely random like the the relationship between the grade and the what you did in the level was just completely unrelated uh, but i think the idea was you were supposed to get a's on every level and, and then it would get you you go to like the big boss or whatever um yeah one of the most frustrating games ever and i think you could there's a really good playthrough of it on uh youtube uh, if you look that up you'll see just how insane that game is um yeah but that was fun and then during the week uh got a little promotion at work. Oh. Uh, that was nice. Um was my, there he my is. one my one year anniversary at the start of May, so I was kind of due like a little little job review. So uh, yeah, that was that was good news. Um congratulations. Thank you very much. Um obviously a very very tough time for people working in marketing because as soon as there's a downturn, marketing is like the first thing that gets cut It's mm. <laughs> the least essential thing, even though of course it is kind of essential. You have to put the money on it, but it's usually the first thing that gets cut. So there's a lot of people kind of looking for roles at the moment. So obviously very happy that, you know, still, still plugging away and still I can afford to pay the old mortgage. So that was good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I get a good week overall.
1: It's quite of the, the usual sort of boredom. Well, done. I have a little food goff by the way. Ooh. Um, I, I guess because my my palate is is very uh, childish, mm. basically that of a, an eight year old child. Um, I'm trying some new things. Uh, so this is my first edition of Food Guff, where Paul tries different kinds of food. I. <laughs> It's not going to be like um, I had some escargot today or (laughs) anything quite that wacky. But I did have a Mars ice cream. Um, Not like the bar, but like a tub, a tub of Mars ice cream. (laughs) Now, first of all, I don't know if in America it's not called Mars. Is that right?
0: It's called Um... uh, fucking. Oh, what is it?
3: They have no, they have Mars, but it's just different from our Mars bar. I think the, I think
0: Mar, our Mars to them is Milky Way. I think that's the way it is, is it? Yeah. Okay.
3: So they still
1: have Mars but it's just it's like a Milky Way. Okay, because over here in the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and Ireland, um, <laughs> we our Mars bars is is nougat with a caramel on top of that, and then chocolate around it. Yeah. Um. So I mistakenly, for whatever reason, thought that the ice cream was going to be a vanilla ice cream. Obviously, it's not going to be Mars. It's right. like no no vanilla in it. But I was thinking, OK, what the Mars ice cream is, is like ice cream with chocolate and caramel sauce in it. So I'm thinking, OK, well, you got the chocolate and you got the caramel. So how are they going to replicate right. the nougat? Ooh. Um. Actually, it's just a chocolate ice cream <laughs> that they put in. Uh, but surprise, I don't really like chocolate ice cream, but this was surprisingly nice. Uh, the caramel is very... Because I don't really like caramel ice cream that much, but I do like caramel sauce on ice cream. So that worked well. And also, the, um, the chocolate sauce wasn't so much chocolate sauce as like bits of chocolate. Mm. So there's like a crunchiness to it as well, which is nice. So I give it my highest ever food golf rating so far of it was pretty nice um not sure I get it again. I did also have a bag of uh speaking of things that have different names in America to counteract the ice cream I also had a bag of wild peppery rocket Ooh. um which one is rocket in America arugula arugula. That was very nice. I'm a big uh, rocket. I'm a like Elton John. I'm a rocket man. Um. So there you go. So uh, I'll try something that I've never eaten before once a week. It'll often be yeah. some kind of sweet variety. Tr- trying, <laughs>
3: trying out new foods like ice cream. <laughs> like, don't get too adventurous.
1: Well, I mean, I'd never seen it before. I only saw it in the shop for the first time. And I said, Well, yeah. I like Mars bars and I like ice cream, but never have the yeah. Twain mixed. Oh. So. Never have the main Twixed. What? Oh! Twixt. <laughs> twixt next week. <laughs> it was rare. It was good. It was good. Surprisingly good. Uh, okay, so where do we want to go then? Do we want to talk about some kind of media, what people can watch and stuff? <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, who has seen a bit of Teddy this week? I haven't really seen anything new other than what I've been chatting about. So, uh, what about you, lads? Uh,
3: been watching more Ninety Day Fiance. Um, so we just finished season three, which was a, a belter, lads. I don't mind telling you. They talked about um, that on Half in the Bag today. Are you the one who spoiled it they, for them? Oh him? yeah, yeah. They, I, they did mention that. Yeah. Um. No, I didn't spoil it for them. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's 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 a fascinating season. Um, there's a guy on there called Caesar, who is a gentleman. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Caesar, Caesar. He he's from I think South Carolina or North Carolina. I can't remember, but he okay. has been in a in a quote unquote relationship with a Ukrainian woman for five. years. How many teeth
1: does he have? Because that's how you tell if it's from North or South.
3: <laughs> well, he has all his teeth so is that okay. north is it Okay. Uh, I forget um, so he's you know he's a nice gentleman he works in like a nail bar as a nail technician just kind of normal guy it's very kind of friendly got lots of lots of pals and seems to get on well with everyone he's like kind of a normal seemingly normal guy um, but he's been in a, in a quote unquote relationship with this Ukrainian woman for five years uh, online they've never actually met even once okay um not only that, he is sending her money every month uh, to the tune of, I think around $400 a month Jeez. to help her pay for various things. Um, again, they've never met only took it online, but he's kind of in love. He thinks it's a real relationship. Um, it's finally got to the point where he's kind of insisting, Hey, yo, come over here. I'll pay for your planes, ticket, et cetera, et cetera. She says, let's meet up in Mexico. Okay. So he pays for this <clears throat> whole trip to Mexico buys her the ticket, uh, or he's, no, he sends her $2,000 to buy a ticket, and then he has to go down there. He rents the, um, you know, gets the room. He He's also going to propose, so he organises this, like, romantic meal for two, which costs him, like, another $500. Anyway, she doesn't book the ticket, so he goes online and books it for her, um, and then she still doesn't show up. So he's sat in this hotel room in Mexico all by himself. Oh. Um, he goes and has the romantic meal by himself. Um, and it's incredibly sad. And the funniest part is, though, that he takes with him not only a... Uh, he takes a $200 engagement ring with him because he literally has no money left. That He only had $200 to buy a ring. So he takes this engagement ring with him. He also takes a suitcase full of um, edible candy bran panties as well. <laughs> Oh <laughs> so while he's maybe sat- he was doing
1: that was his new thing to try that week.
3: <laughs> yeah, so while he sat there on the bed, um essentially dressed tried- in edible panties. No, he he wasn't wearing them. I think they were for her. Okay. Though. So he sat there on the bed like just distraught that she's not gonna show up and he's wasted five years of his life and he thinks he still loves her and he thinks he can win her around still. And the whole time there's just this open suitcase full of edible panties and, and bras. Behind him, and it is such a stitch up by the production crew to have every time they have a shot, this stuff is in the background. It's hilarious. Um, also very sad, and I think they're very much taking advantage of this poor man who's being humiliated yeah. on television. And doubtlessly, you know, he's broke, he's been humiliated. It's something that can be very dangerous. Hopefully, he's all right. I haven't kind of seen any of the follow up, um, you know, shows, but God is it is good. Um, Lots of other great characters on there. I, I urge anyone, if you want some good shitty TV to watch, it is... I've just become addicted to it. I've started <laughs> trying to find out how I can download all the spin-off shows, because there's about eight of those as well. Um, so right. To get hold of those. But yeah, I've been... That's mainly what we've been watching all week, every time we get a chance just whack on a bit of 90 Day
1: Fiancé. That yeah. is sad, though. I mean, I've never been uh, so, much, so naive, I guess, to... Um fucking be sending money to some person but i've you know i've been in uh relationships previously where um you know they they end and you're you're kind of in such a state of denial like this guy was where you think uh i ah, can we? and looking back now i think well like of course it was it was over but you're you're in such denial that you think like he, like he says that he can still like win her around. And stuff. I was like, yeah. you're not going to win around, lad. Yeah, <laughs> at this she,
3: point, gold digger who's taking all your money. She's probably got about eight different blokes
1: on the go. know. Yeah. Uh, oh. um, so I hate, yeah. I hate to take the piss too much out of him, but that was probably very funny.
3: I yeah, it's a, it was one of the kind of sadder cases on the show, but the funniest part obviously was just the fucking edible candy bra. Like at that point, it was kind of like, well, look, I feel sympathetic, but what on earth?
1: You well, I'd say that that episode is almost the perfect uh, encapsulation for the difference between sympathy and empathy.
3: Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that was good. Also, finished um, the last dance, the uh, Chicago Bulls uh, documentary. So that was that was good. Not a lot to to say on it. Kind of yeah, more of the same. The last few episodes, but it was it was. It was a really interesting show. I'd like to see kind of more like that. I was thinking maybe like a Mike Tyson um, edition oh. would be re- really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I was kind of thinking of people that are still sort of around and could actually be interviewed and that are interesting enough to warrant that kind of s- series. There aren't too many people, really, if you think about it in terms of kind of famous
0: athletes.
1: So I'm not, I'm well, not Especially sure. American ones who have kind of crossed over... Uh, yeah, worldwide, you know. Stars, yeah. Well, that's
0: the thing because yeah. they're like because the rumor is that they're going to do one on Tom Brady. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Oh, might, about might me-
3: Rob Rob Gronkowski?
0: Or <laughs> <something>. <laughs> oh Jesus! Well,
1: yeah. this this is the problem. Is I've I've listened to like American podcasts. Um, I'm not being critical of them or anything, but there's there's kind of an inherent Americo-centrism where they're talking about, like, sports stars and saying, this guy is, like, a worldwide superstar. I'm like, I've literally never, never heard of some of these people. Um, yeah. So there are people like Tyson, as Joe brought up, who, who do kind of cross that divide, who are pro- properly global stars. I can't think of too many more, though, at least people from other sports, like baseball, um, hockey, like are, are with the exception of a few people are complete non-factors outside of the U S and Canada.
0: Yeah. Uh maybe, I,
1: I maybe like uh, Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson, some at- athletic stars maybe, but I can't think of anybody else.
0: But do they even have like as interesting a story when you, when you really think to be blunt about it? Like, you know, um, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I think uh, Tyson's actually a good suggestion. Um, because uh, that is someone that has worldwide play, you know. But uh, yeah, I haven't finished Last Dance yet. But I mean, it is it is tremendous. Uh, I, I I really love it.
1: Yes, yeah, so what's the for the week?
0: What about you, Paul?
1: Um, I've been watching. You know, continuing my run through of uh, the soup from E back in mm. the day. I'm on two. I'm in two thousand, late two thousand and nine. I'm really surprised by how. Nasty of a show it is, like I've I always thought it was very funny. Um, but it's like a really edgy show in, in kind of an unironic use of the word edgy. It's a properly edgy show. Um, like I was watching an episode the other day and I was really shocked by it. And this is an episode from only eleven years ago, but you know the soup is 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 a clip show where they they show wacky clips from TV and Joe McHale does like a funny funny commentary right where he takes the piss out of them often he's like quite nasty about celebrities and stuff like that but it's like it's done in in the name of comedy I don't think he's particularly mean about these people he often has them on the show people he rips the piss out of but like the clip of the week this week um was Sophia Vergara on the view I think and they had a picture of her and her her son who was like 18 at the time and I think she must have only been about Late 30s, maybe, and they're like, Oh, you're you must have had your your son so young, you you look at the same age, blah blah blah. You must have had him when you were 12, and she goes, 13, I was raped.
3: <gasps> oh right,
1: no, and then no, Mikhail, no, 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 and then no, Mikhail no. makes a Roman Polanski joke,
0: <gasps> and then what? the show ends.
1: I'm like, What am I watching? Yeah,
0: <laughs> what's this the Eric Andre show or something? No, because what? this
1: this was also around the time where polanski got arrested in switzerland and there was a threat of him being oh. extradited back to the US. but i was like i can't believe what, what i'm fucking watching this is like so far out in terms of like what is an acceptable line to cross i couldn't believe it i was properly properly like offended by it and not not offended in the sense of you know there is an injustice happening here, but properly like, wow, I can't, I, I cannot believe what I just heard. And um, definitely had no memory of it being that kind of show, but it's I, honestly, and also there was, um, although this one, to be fair, was a bit funnier and a bit more justifiable is it was a show called, oh, it was Bridezilla's, right? And there was one bit where one of the women of the bridal party had done something, they're trying to get into a club. And had, like, done something to uh, piss off the doorman. And they weren't going to let the bridal party, or the hen party, whatever it was, into the club, until she apologized for what she did. And she's in the limo going, I'm not apologizing to a doorman. A doorman. And just like putting the fucking doorman down, right? (laughs) Joe McHale goes, does the little punchline, and then goes, you vile, horrible bitch. (laughs) Again, I'm... Wow, Jesus Christ! Don't pull any punches. Um, But despite those things, that show is still very funny. Even though fucking hell, I'm I'm like uh, a kid hearing the f word for the first time. We're like Jesus Christ! I shouldn't be watching this. Uh, I don't think I've watched anything else apart from that. Okay.
0: Well, it sounds draining, so I'm not surprised.
1: (laughs) It is a little bit. I, I usually watch it last thing before I go to sleep so that I'm properly exhausted and can just doze off. <sighs> uh,
0: I'm not watching anything new, I don't really think. Uh, I watched the most recent... I got the last two episodes of uh, or at least there's the ring over here the, the Harley Quinn show, still enjoy that that's fun. Uh, all caught up on Rick and Morty. Um, I don't think I really have too much to say differing from what paul said uh last week i I think it's i think it's cracking i think it is absolutely back back to form and then some i think they're knocking it out of the park um uh, since they came back and really uh, season four even before the break was 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 really good but all those last two episodes were fantastic they really were um uh, so
1: loving that um i didn't realize uh, by the way that rick and morty is on the all four app up to like the newest episodes yes Yes. yeah
0: yeah i didn't didn't know uh it's yeah it's very weird um and then and it's weird because it's i think there it's just in fact the the newest episodes because i think the season one to three are still on netflix okay uh uh, and then and then at the end of june netflix are getting the full season four i don't know obviously there was some kind of uh contentious uh, uh uh bidding war for that i would imagine um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, the All4 app is is great. I was actually, I I ended up not doing it because I have ten million video subscriptions at the moment. But they now do uh, All4 now does a, a an ad free version for a few a few quids Um, but I was like, yeah. Part of what I like about it is that it's free, so I'll keep it that way. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, and the other thing is just loads and loads of Simpsons. I mean, I'm finding myself, you know, as the uh, current situation uh, unfolds, I, I, I'm really, I think we talked about this with MovieGolf a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm not having really the energy to play a new game or start a new show or, or watch a movie I haven't seen before, because the energy levels and the commitment required for that are a lot like I don't want to watch something new and just because and just not get into it because I'm just not feeling up to it and then you know not not you know miss out on something I might actually enjoy so I'm just watching loads of The Simpsons um I think last week I, I was just on the first episode of season two I'm now like halfway through season three um uh, and it's great I don't have too much more to say beyond what I said about season one last week obviously season three is that real kind of turning point season two uh, very much feels like it's it's you can group it in with season one. It's that same style of show. Um, although one thing I did appreciate was that it, it's it gets immediately self referential in the second season, which I really appreciate. They've the the joke about letting any old cartoon character get a, a Thanksgiving Day float. <laughs> uh, there is the a Simpson on a T shirt. I never thought I'd see it. Like they were straight away like referencing they were the hot thing of of the early nineties, which I love. Um, and yeah, season three is is when you're, you're now starting to kind of get into that groove, things getting a little, <coughs> a little, a little more out there, but not in a bad way. And uh, the episodes are snappier, a little bit quicker, uh, a little bit more quick fire with the jokes. Um, yeah, so, uh, still, still great. And we are. T minus four days till we get that sweet, sweet four by three aspect ratio on the on on the Disney gimmick. Um, so we successfully yelled at them enough times to do that. Uh, we just got to keep yelling for the director commentaries, and then we're golden. Uh,
3: sp- speaking of the Simpsons, I've had an idea for a new feature uh, just mm. before we came on air. Um, so what I thought I'd do is I was thinking about how long it would take us to overtake the Simpsons in terms of episodes because uh, this is number four hundred and seventy-five uh, of hmm. the show podcast, and I believe the Simpsons is let me just check six hundred eighty-four. Um, wow, obviously we do, no, we're, we do, we're a bit away. <laughs> we do probably twice as many episodes as every year, so I think I don't know. It's a few more years to catch up. I was thinking of looking at what their episode 475 is uh, and just, just kind of having a look. So, obviously, we've all stopped watching the show, so we won't really be familiar with these episodes. So, I'm just going to read out the um, the plot description from Wikipedia and we can kind of see what, see what we make of it, see if it sounds entertaining. Okay, so here we go. So, this is season 22, episode 11 of The Simpsons. Um, it's the 11th episode. It originally aired on Fox Network on January 16th, 2011. It follows the efforts of Waylon Smithers to earn Mr. Burns's respect by turning Moe's Tavern into a successful gay bar, leading Moe to become more popular as a gay man than Smithers. Uh, episode title is Flaming Moe. Um,
1: it elaborates. Good title, to be fair. Uh, is it? Well, I mean, it's it's a callback to Flaming Moe's. Yeah. yeah. Callback yeah. Call to a superior episode.
0: Um <laughs> well what, yeah
1: there's a what, good chance I watched this episode really? I, 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 watch I, watch I don't
0: think I've seen this one yeah
1: I have no memory of it but that would have been when I was living in France and I was still, still doing it. the uh family guy simpsons uh, cleveland show right, right, right. S- uh south park like I don't know there was no american dad the four cartoons every sunday I was still watching all, all of those
3: yeah. Um, if I just, I'll read through the plot, and as soon as we start to get bored, I'm just going to stop. Okay. Um, Wayland Smithers learns that he is not included in Mr. Burns's will. When he confronts Burns, he tells Smithers he only respects self-made men. Dejected, <laughs> Smithers tries to cheer himself up by going to the League of Extra, uh, the League of Extra Horny Gentlemen,
0: oh a gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> a but Paul liked that one
3: but is denied entrance because he is not as attractive or fashionable as the rest of the clientele. Stopping by Moe's tavern instead, he notices how slow business is and proposes to Mo that they refurbish the bar and make it into a gay bar. With the encouragement of other gays <laughs> who were not accepted into the <laughs> other bar. Smithers hopes to earn Mr. Burns' respect by building a successful business in addition to having a place in which he can feel accepted. They turn Moe's into an ultra-trendy bar, gay bar called Moe's, without the E. Uh, Moe's new patrons come to believe that Moe too is gay, a misconception he encourages for fear of losing their business. He becomes more popular than the Smithers, so yes. popular with the local gay community, in fact, that they push Moe to run for city council
0: oh my to, God
3: what a <laughs> jump that is to become the first openly gay council member
0: Oh fucking god lady uh,
3: Smithers attempts to out mo a straight while Moe is announcing his candidacy by demanding that mo kiss him puckering his lips Mo leans into Smithers but at the last minute Khan and announces he was lying he asks for forgiveness forgiveness and hopes that they understand his needs to be accepted the crowd is disheartened and angry and leaves uh, but before Mo leaves he grabs Smithers and kisses him saying, like Frisbee golf, I'm glad I tried it once. The credits end as Moe's renovated back to the old Moe's Tavern.
0: Oh my god! It, which
3: I think has happened about eight or nine times at this point. Moe's Tavern has become something else.
0: Also, the Smithers is denied entry because he's not so they, they just did an unironic, oh Apollo how are you, you doing this evening? They, they did that this.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds absolutely dreadful. Ooh. One of those episodes where the plot's not strong enough, so they have to like, like, keep pushing it further. Oh, now he's going to run for, as a politician. Oh, what else can we fill this in? There's and also... also whole, go on. So there's also a whole B-plot that I didn't, I'm not even going to bother reading out with uh, Principal Skinner falling in love with a substitute music teacher.
1: Uh, Why are none of the Simpsons in this episode... I was that was my yeah that's what I was gonna
0: say it was like it's you know you can have a great episode based around a secondary character the absolute worst ones are about two secondary characters like to me I think the real cutoff for me was when fucking Skinner's mother and the comic book guy had a had a <laughs> uh, an affair I was like what. Even at, like, 15 or whatever I was. I was like, what is this? This is oh, so... Could you find two, like, you know, great characters in their bit roles? Because you can find two less interesting people to do this story with. And what, Mo and Smithers! like? Oh, that's... Oh, Jesus. God, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, so I don't have a name for that feature, but more more from that next week. If anyone's got an idea for a name, please do email in. Uh, on I do. TV. I do I I that though. Right? yeah, you like that feature. Yeah, I thought you would. I thought you would. People will be loving that? Uh,
0: so that's it. Yeah, I enjoyed that feature. That was uh, that would be back in, in the future. Um, what about game golf? Um, yeah, I've been playing with my new toy. So I haven't really played any of the old, uh, the old traditional video games. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I fin- i finished super hot uh, just before I finished this show, and fucking hell, I am knackered. I am absolutely knackered because I'm bobbing, I'm weaving, I'm ducking, I'm swinging my arms, doing melee attacks. I'm absolutely, I'm genuinely fucking knackered after doing that. Um, and it's not even—it's not even an exercise game. There's actual exercise games I could be playing. <laughs> I'm fucking blown up by shooting guns in a fake game, but um but uh yeah so no 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 um no other video games for me this week what about you paul
1: uh yeah, i'm continuing with the the usuals i i just want to make mention first of all i was advised by a good friend of mine stephen that um n b a two k twenty was like ninety five percent off on the Switch store.
0: Yeah, we, like that's on every system. It's like a fiver. I assume that has to be them hoping to to capitalize on Last Dance uh, fever.
1: You would assume so. And so I picked it up. Uh, huge, I will install on it. Let me tell you. Um, but I was playing it a little bit today, and I I've realised that while I kind of admire the way the game is set up, like it definitely has a lot of the um, TV broadcast feel of it down. Um, that it's just not for me, uh, at least to kind of dedicate any kind of time to it. And this is because I naively believed, I know, I don't watch basketball. I know basketball though, right? You bounce the ball, throw it to the other lad and oh throw it in, the, in the in the hoop, right? And w- sometimes they'll throw it up and another guy will go up and throw it in the hoop. And sometimes they'll do all mad spinny bits into the hoop, right? And then I started playing the game and there's like 27 different kinds of passes you can do. Um, And I also realized that while I understand basketball, I don't really understand it. Like when I'm playing FIFA or playing pro evolution soccer, I, you know, I'll think to myself, right, I'm going to do a... 4-3-3 4-3-3 formation because I like to play a little bit more on the wings, and I'll play with maybe a taller center forward, because I like drilling in crosses more so than, than kind of dribbling through the center of the defense, because I'm not so good at that when I'm playing. Whereas I don't have any idea about basketball tactics or strategy or formation. Um so I don't know anything. I don't know about how to how to attack the game. Also I don't really understand the rules because I was like I passed the ball and then it was like a foul. Mm. I didn't understand why it was a foul. Um so like I played a game hands. you can't use both your hands. Well, well I don't know, I did press I pass know. button. <laughs> I didn't tell you both their hands. And then like to shoot in it, right? Now the controls are quite in depth, which I do- I I don't dislike. The controls are quite in depth. So to like shoot is you hold the Y button and you get a little power meter, same as you do in FIFA. A little power meter, or you can move the right thumbstick up and then release Ooh. to you know. But like it's real difficult to get a hold of or to get a hang of it. And uh, I was playing on the easiest difficulty, just getting fucking destroyed. Um, I said, okay, you know what? I I, I just wanted it for a bit of crack. A, like a different sport game to pick up and play, but I, I truly don't understand basketball enough to properly get into it. Um so I probably I played it for about half an hour. I, I, it cost me like a Euro fifty. You know, it's fine. Um I got two other games in that Switch sale, by the way. I got a game called Thief Simulator,
2: okay. which
1: looks like a looks it, it was getting kind of seven out of ten reviews from what i saw it looks like a kind of dumbed down hitman in a way like you're you're breaking into right. houses and it's kind of I've a never, little yeah. sandboxy okay it was again two euro or something so yeah, go for that and i also got a game called old man's journey which oh, seems yeah. to be a, a kind of side scrolly adventure game like i even though i, I had reservations about kentucky route zero I did quite enjoy it, and I was kind of still hungry for that kind of game. So again, I picked it up for like a euro. Um, But aside from that, I have still been playing Breath of the Wild. I am 25 hours into this playthrough now. I've done three of the Divine Beasts, and I have about 70 shrines done. So I'm making good, decent progress through it. Um I can't imagine that's gonna take me more than another twenty hours. Um because I'm I'm gonna get all the shrines, obviously beat the divine beast, so I only have one left, beat Ganon, and then beat the DLC as well. So I'm making good progress. Definitely not gonna take me 105 hours this time. Because knowing where stuff generally is, there's a lot less <laughs> exploration this time around. I'm not doing so much of uh Let's just go this direction and see what's there. No, I'm like I'm very meticulously going in, getting the tower, unlocking the map, um, going straight to the divine beasts, beating them, using like a, a guide to see where all the shrines are, doing them, blah, blah 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 Um yeah, really enjoying that still. I find that um when I play the divine beasts. I, I found them a lot harder first time around. Uh, now, that sounds obvious because, yeah, well, of course, you beat them already. But this time, even without remembering necessarily the puzzles, I'm able to do them this time around a lot easier than it was last time. Like, I was really getting stumped first time around. Like, what am I supposed to do here? But this time, I've beaten them all pretty handily. What I'm doing as well is I, uh, I wanted to like reach a milestone of 60 shrines before I I did the third Divine Beast. I'm going to get to 90 before I do the fourth one and then 120 and then Ganon. So I'm trying to segment the game up that way. Uh, But yeah, still enjoying that. And then finally, Football Manager, which Mm, mm. I, I, I definitely felt like I was starting to kind of run out of fumes on it a little bit. Um I reached my 10th year as Man United boss and I yeah I decided you know what I I've I've done this Man United thing long enough I am leaving and I resigned and I became the manager of Juventus. Ooh. Um signed a few of my old Man United players some of, not, not the stars necessarily but some of the uh the younger boys. I the the biggest player I bought was my goalkeeper, uh, Rob Kopman from the Netherlands, twenty four year old goalkeeper who I basically trained up in the uh, first team since he was like nineteen. Uh, cost me one hundred million uh, euro. Okay. Uh, I also signed a backup keeper from Gremio in Brazil on a free transfer. <laughs> And let me tell you what happened, okay? I didn't realize this at the time, but the free transfer I got is one of those ones where, even though it's a summer transfer window, he will move 1st of January. Uh, is that oh, I didn't realize he's... that. I oh. um, no, he's like 22, 23. Oh, okay. maybe, maybe it is, I don't know. But that was the deal anyway. Um, And then... So I plowed on with kind of my one goalkeeper... And then the kind of the secondary existing Juventus goalkeeper, because I, I knew I wanted to buy my Man United Keeper, so I sold the one that Juventus had. And he was like 32 anyway. I was like, get the fuck out of here, you're too old. So I was plugging on with Copeman and and my second um keeper. And then as we're coming up to the January transfer window, mm-hmm. I know that my new second keeper is coming in. So I sold the the other one I had, right? What happens then the week before uh, January 1st? Copeland breaks his leg out for five to six months. Oh
2: Jesus!
1: So this free transfer I'm bringing in to be my secondary keeper is now going to have to be my first keeper. But he's not really good enough to be my first keeper. So I have to buy another goalkeeper. So in one season I've bought three goalkeepers now, right?
2: Ooh.
1: Uh so I buy another keeper. I bought one that was like transfer listed because I said, okay, I'm only going to use them for like half the season and then I'll sell them on. Still cost me like 35 million, right? What happens with this goalkeeper? keeper? Two weeks in, <laughs> breaks his leg. <laughs> He's out for five to six months. <laughs> Is this the performance center? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I ended up Ultimately, with like wages and everything, spending 200 million on goalkeepers, one of which could play, <laughs> which was the one I didn't even ever plan to be my first goalkeeper. But anyway, won everything with Juventus. The the Italian league is like the easiest. I need to go back to England because yeah. Juventus, you're playing uh, Sardinia or whoever. You're beating them 7-0 easy. Put the second team out, you're winning 7-0. Um, but I don't know with United, like I said last week the, the wages got so out of control like my wage budget at Juventus with a, a similar team in terms of quality to my United team I'm paying like two and a half million less um, overall on wages so uh, Man United then, who had won the league four seasons in a row with mm-hmm. me came sixth the following season. Because um, I bought their goalkeeper, obviously, and they had replaced him with like a 10 million 32 year old or something. So they didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, how is your game going, Joe?
3: Um, England manager well, still?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners may remember I was offered the job of England manager after a successful tenure at United. Um, so that's, that's gone well, so I resigned the United job after a season, um, just got fed up of doing both, um, went on to win the World Cup with England, um, okay. beating we, beat? Italy in the final, we had Serbia in the semi-final, um, France in the quarter-final, Angola in the second or third round. But we're in because okay. we're in the future now. The format has changed, so it's actually you start with a group of three, um, and then you have a second round, third round, and then quarter final. So it's kind of interesting. Usually, it's quite easy to get through because the the group stage is just two shit teams that you can batter. Um, so that was good. So I won that. Um, resigned as England manager because I thought I, you know, achieved the, the highest honor in the land. You won the World Cup. Where where do you go from more. there? Um, yes. Yeah, so now I've taken on Aston Villa. Um, who were 14th in the championship. So I thought I wanted a, okay. a promotion challenge. So I took them on, snuck into the playoffs and managed to beat Brighton in the final. So we're, we're now in the premier league. Um, so that's, that's kind of challenge. So I'm seeing the next challenge is kind of just getting them some sort of mid table, comfortable sort of mid table uh, with Villa. And obviously they're quite a big club in terms of support and stadium and everything. So that's, that's yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's going it's going well. The the, the difficult thing is though that the transfer budgets you get given are pathetic compared to the cost of players. Like you'll you'll get a transfer budget of eighty million, and it's like yeah, a right back costs sixty million now in this game. Like what do we do? I can't buy more than one or two players. So what can you really do? And and the wages are ridiculous as well. There are some players that are now on like six hundred, seven hundred grand a week, and it's like is not sustainable <laughs> but it, it feels like the income from the game and the transfer budgets don't go up at the same rate of inflation as the transfers and the salaries so I kind of i
1: think there's a way. bit of imbalancing as well between yeah. buying and selling players obviously to make yeah. the game difficult or whatever but if if you try to buy a 19 year old whose value is 750k, hmm. you'll suggest... Yeah, you know, you might even go like 10 mil. I suggest 10 mil. That's a good deal for someone whose value is 750,000, 10 million. And they're like, no, we want 119 million. And you say, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then when Arsenal are coming in for your 19-year-old who's worth 750k, they will not go above 2.5 million. You're like, why... Yeah. Like, it makes it impossible to buy youngsters and impossible to sell youngsters for any kind of value. Yeah. And I would rather that, you know, the price for buying youngsters came down a little bit and the price for selling them would come up a little bit and meet somewhere in the Mm -hmm. middle. Because there's no incentive to invest in youth because they're prohibitively expensive. Mm. And there's no uh, point to invest in your own youth because you won't be able to make any money off selling them at ultimately you know yeah um so it's a bit a bit annoying i did yeah. make my son in the game as well oh yeah how's name? your son getting on by the way oh he's great he
3: he won um obviously he was in the england team that won the world cup I wasn't going <laughs> to and he, he did win
1: he did win the golden ball at the world cup so oh okay. very proud
3: very proud. Because so my
1: son, um my son, when he was created, he only has a potential of like two and a half stars. So I was oh, worried really? right away. Yeah. That's um my son is called El Hijo del Paul Griffin. Oh, he's Mexican. Which shows as, as E. Griffin. <laughs> um e I think he's still at United. He's like he's a target man center forward. Okay. Um but I I left United the season after he was generated, so mm. and I didn't I didn't bring him with me, so I don't know how he's doing to be honest. Hopefully, all right. But uh, I've I'm not sure, got that I'm sure. far. I, sure, yeah. we'll I'm in my second season with Juventus now. I haven't come up against United because I I think United got knocked out of the Champions League by Valencia or
3: something.
1: Mm. Um, even with like. <laughs> the two best center forwards in the game and still a pretty damn good team. Um but yeah, I don't know the Juventus thing. I don't think I'm I'm going to stay there for more than two seasons because it is too easy. I think I might do an Aston Villa style. Yeah, yeah. Job on it. But um
3: yeah, yeah it's quite fun.
1: Yeah, and but like less, like you said, there there are some financial things that do annoy me a little bit about the game and I yeah. wish
3: the other annoying thing is that um, so I'm in 2038 now and yeah. Jurgen Klopp is still manager of Liverpool. He's 70 years old and he's still <laughs> the manager of Liverpool. So fucking He's up. still got those shiny white teeth. He's still yeah. got <laughs> they're even whiter than they are now.
1: <laughs> mm. I don't think there's anything like that in my game. Um because I do keep an eye out for just like what's going on with the various teams. The one that I noticed is I'm in twenty thirty-two, I think. Right? Mm. Uh Lautaro Martinez is still at Inter Milan. I mm. think he's the only like big name player that's never moved to another team. Everyone else has mm. kind of moved around. Mm. Oh. A, a, alarm just went off there. Hopefully you guys come here. Um Otherwise, yeah, no, Jose Mourinho was the Galatasaray manager or something, and Pep Guardiola was at like Roma and got fired. I don't know. But yeah, still still fun. But yeah, I think I, I think I need a different kind of challenge uh, very soon. There's your game guff for you. There's
0: your game guff. Right. Who's been watching films this week?
1: Hey, you said it like I say it. With a U in it.
0: That's right.
1: That's the joke. Um, I watched a couple of films this week. We watched um, Return of the King Extended Edition. Which is 4 hours and 11 minutes long. Jesus
0: fucking Christ.
1: Um, I thought I think it's the weakest of the three. Okay. Um it it's definitely deserving of the derision it gets for having just the longest ending mm. ever that just goes on and on and on. And I like the movie. And even I before the end was like, okay, come on, go. And Natty was telling me to calm down and stop giving out at the movie, but got so self indulgent and just endless. And I was thinking then, like, what's the opposite? What is the movie that has like the shortest ending? Um, Dirty Harry came to mind. I don't know if you guys have seen Dirty Harry. Uh, Dirty Harry at the end. Spoilers for Dirty Harry. But. Yeah.
0: Dirty Gen- Harry at Gen- the Gen- end. He's shoot- the lucky <laughs> punk.
1: <laughs> Dirty Hair at the end shoots the bad guy dead. And then the credits roll. There's no follow-up of what happened to him or, you know, very efficient with his time. Um, I think the good things about Return of the King are the things that are good about the whole trilogy. It looks fantastic. Like I said, the, the set design, the, the uh, costume design, etc., etc. is like astronomically out of this world good. Um, the dialogue at times is like a kind of faux Shakespeare, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought I, I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good, even if the the Frodo Sam Gollum stuff I I think is the weakest story thrand, or thread in the trilogy. Um, I find a lot of the the other stuff a lot more satisfying, and also the big war scene in. Uh, Two Towers is better than the one in this movie. Uh, It was alright. We also watched um, Snowpiercer, which was on Film 4 last night. The Bong Joon-ho English language uh, sci-fi thriller. Yeah, Uh, My second time watching it, I thought it was still very good. Definitely noticed a few cracks in... Kind of my overall opinion on it. Because I think first time round, I could properly kind of invest in the story and where it was going. But the the kind of intrigue wasn't so much there second time round. And you notice that like Chris Evans' character is a little bit kind of one dimensional, his performance isn't great, and little things like that. So I, I kind of, you know, I still hold in very high regard, maybe like an 8 out of 10. But um, definitely a movie that I enjoyed more first time round, that although I still really liked it, it didn't quite hold up on, on second viewing, whereas Parasite, hmm. you know, I, wa- I could watch to the end of the Earth, and I'd, I'd enjoy it just as much, you know? So in summary, not quite as good as uh, Parasite, but... Yeah, it was still, still quite enjoyable. I see there there's a um, a TV series now based on Snowpiercer on TNT. Yeah, I I looked at the trailer for it, and you know it, it's it's kind of a different adaptation of. I think it's it's maybe more comic book uh, derived because sure the movie was based on a comic book, a French comic book. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super. Um. I'm intrigued about it, but I'm not kind of compelled, compelled to check it out or, or really look into it. But it's there. Uh, so speaking of finishing uh, trilogies, Barry, how was your? one?
0: Oh, I watched reve- uh, the, the the Revenge of the Sith, uh, which was shit. Um. <laughs> Uh oh god, it's long and boring. Um like you really you really don't like you really don't realize the level to which they're just bellowing the story at you constantly through that entire film. It's as unsubtle a film as humanly possible, and so like you're you're swapping the sort of tortuous Romantic dialogue of the last one with sort of like equally tortuous and eye roly uh, for quote unquote foreshadowing between Palpatine and, and Anakin. Um Yeah, God, it's rubbish, uh, and it's like for the for the darkest film of the whole saga. It, it's like they they flipped the switch between these two films, and they said Obi wan needs to be quipping all the time. He has to either be telling jokes or or worrying that he needs to kill Anakin those are the two things he does in the movie um and yeah it's it's completely uh, uh ridiculous uh definitely the best of those three films but I'm ap- I'm categorically not uh, among the people who who thinks it, it's a good film by any actual measure um yeah so yeah done done rewatching that I was kind of thinking I might re- rewatch those new ones but I really can't be arsed. um might just watch that fucking cartoon or whatever.
1: <laughs> I wonder what drove that Obi Wan thing. Like, was there obviously the Marvel films hadn't started yet? Like, this is like two thousand five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe the Spider Man films or
0: or I don't know. Like, they they realized like, uh, we need some levity. The film's really heavy. Um, like, they just thought it, it would be a, a counterbalance to to some of the nastier shit happening. Mm. Oh, well,
1: obi-wan's a weird choice for that though
0: yeah well the, the entire him in this whole trilogy is weird he's so he's useless in these movies i mean they do they really do nothing with him it's like in the first film he feels like he's 12 lines of dialogue um just whinging just doing nothing the second film he's in it way more but again shockingly it feels like he's doing nothing in the whole movie um Uh, He's kind of off doing this other stuff. It's kind of really obvious that the romance subplot is the real pet project of Lucas, which makes the way it it turned out in film even funnier. Um, uh, And then, yeah, in this one, it's like, again, he's off on a little side adventure chasing General Grievous, who is hilarious, by the way. (laughs) Um, Just a completely ludicrous Saturday morning cartoon character um uh like he's off doing that and then all the everything that's important and central to the story is revolving around Anakin and Obi-Wan's just off doing if you wanted to make a super cut of this film for uh quickness of consumption you'd you'd snip basically everything he did out um it's it's really it kind of reminds me of um Finn in the new the new trilogy where you sort of look back on these three films and you go all right well, what did this character actually do did no one have a plan when you, when you started making the first one for what the the end goal of this character was because I suppose Obi-Wan's better in that regard he's in the he's in the crucial scene in the in the in the third one but it's just just, just pointless just just it's so much filler and and just inconsequential stuff yeah it's rubbish I, you know breaking news it's a, it, the, all three of those movies are shite. um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's my one. That was my one film go for the week.
1: All right. Uh, We do have a returning feature. One that I'm going to need to turn the light on here. (laughs) So just give me a second. Okay. So we haven't done it for a few weeks. I'll tell you why in a second. Um, This is CSP Has Issues, where we go through an old old issue of Power Slam Magazine, which we love to do, and take a little dive into the past. Now, I didn't do one last week. I actually had one ready to go, uh, because I read these during the week, and I think that'll be a good one to do for the podcast. Um, But unfortunately, obviously, we had a lot of bad news in the wrestling world uh last weekend this week as well uh the issue i had actually planned to do was the randy savage obituary issue for obvious reasons i've not done that so i've picked a different issue to do this is issue 191 uh which is the june 2010 uh issue which is the first one that's crossing over into the uh, csp time
0: yes yeah interesting
1: yeah, on the cover you have Jack Swagger. No. Who was <laughs> who was the uh the world champion at the time. Champion of the AW. earth. Yeah. Um so the the cover story is breaking the barrier. Which mid card players will join Jack Swagger in WWE's headline ranks? <laughs> I hope they weren't holding that hope for him to keep him company up there. Well, uh, More on that later. Um, he, he did just main event uh, one of the biggest shows in wrestling. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that is that's true. Um, in the television report, uh, William Regal pinned Daniel Bryan in blank on the April 13 episode of NXT. How long do you think that match went?
3: Uh, four
1: minutes.
0: I was all Yeah, I was going to say like uh, uh, two minutes, 30 seconds.
1: You're giving them too much credit, boys. William Regal pinned Daniel Bryan in one minute and 23 seconds Jesus. on the April 13th episode of NXT. Wow. Yeah, The previous evening on Raw, John Cena had slaughtered David Otunga in a total NXT burial. Cena gave Otunga nothing and did not take him seriously as an opponent before he beat him. With the no pressure STF, at least Brian put a fight, put up a fight before he lost to Regal. Um, later on, you have uh, Daniel Bryan had a competitive match with Batista on the May third RAW. Yeah, I,
0: I, now that's a, I remember that being great, even though it's also like five minutes. I'm fairly sure, but yeah,
1: five minutes and six seconds.
0: Yeah, that's a great match.
1: Yeah, the animal in what some respects was the best performance of his career did everything he could to present Brian as his equal before he pinned him with the Batista bomb. Interesting, the difference there between the uh, and approach, not necessarily by the wrestlers themselves, but by the company. The approach between John Cena beating an NXT rookie and Dave Batista doing it. I
0: I, I seem different. to I seem to recall he said he was supposed to pin him in seconds and he went to bat to say that that would have been a stupid thing to do because he it was a very i don't know why i remember this this was literally almost a decade ago he he guffawed at brian winning the world title the first time the money in the bank one and everyone was like everyone was like f off batista you, you idiot and he's like excuse me I like Daniel O'Brien. I went to bat for him. I think he's great. I didn't want to squash him on Raw, so we had a proper match. I just thought that title change was stupid. So yeah, he, he. and by all accounts, John Cena is very much not going to bat to, to not kill people on Raw. Does not sound like that, that was his specialty.
1: Yeah, it goes on. This This saga continues. John Cena did at least allow Wade Barrett some offense before he bested him from out of nowhere with the STF. However, the match wasn't very good. Cena's attempts at wrestling were awkward. He neglected to sell some of Barrett's punches and he was visibly and audibly talking to him throughout the match. Cena is obviously not someone who WWE can rely on to carry and put new talent over. Tell you by the end of that next feud, that statement could not be any more true.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, Obviously there was some, a lot of anti Cena and anti Jericho bias in power slam, uh, completely acknowledge that. Yeah. Um. Uh, interestingly now, I'm actually only noticing this now. Uh, this is was by no means planned, just an unfortunate coincidence. This is also the issue that covers uh extreme rules of that year, which included the JTG Shad Gaspard strap match.
0: Oh, yeah. One of
1: Shad's uh, only singles pay-per-view matches. Oh yeah, and that was Um, rubbish, I seem to recall uh, Yeah, they described it as an unmemorable match Entirely devoid of heat Yeah So there you go What else do we have? Drew McIntyre and Tiffany uh, tied the knot Uh. Oh, in real life, I was about to say, what episode of Raw was that? In real life, that happened. I don't know. Are they still married? That's something that completely went out of my mind.
0: No, do you not remember the whole story about that?
1: Oh, remind me. Now that Uh, you say something,
0: yeah. Well, that yeah. So obviously, this may be in a future edition of CSP's got issues, but uh, she bet the shit out of him. Uh, Oh yeah, (laughs) and and I believe I believe that was cause for his push to disintegrate the classic vince mcmahon you know can't take you seriously if you're if you're losing fights and can't control your woman i'm sure is his thinking um right um okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i i don't know if that event led to their divorce or it was a separate thing later but they are they are not together anymore i'm
1: fairly sure no that that's not by the way the only couple from this issue that i forgot was the thing oh come back to that later Uh, Also at Extreme Rules John Cena predictably Defeated Batista in a last man standing Match Yeah. Uh, The bout suffered from the obligatory Cena defects in the early going Clumsy mistimed moves and overselling Mm. Followed by full speed Completely recovered comebacks This is of course the one where In the end Cena crotched Batista on the ring post Taped his legs together As he straddled the post
0: Yeah Yeah
1: Unfortunately, Cena nearly screwed that up when he snapped the tape four times as he was wrapping it around Batista's limbs. <sighs> Cena's not getting any breaks in this one here. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on. Um. There is a uh PWG report in the uh, PWG house show report, or not house show PWG show in the house show section. And just some names in here that I'm I don't really remember. Now this isn't like I know Barry, you do a uh PWG podcast where you're yeah. going through the early the early years of PWG. Yeah. real Island, I think it's called, or something like that. Yeah. Um <laughs> never heard of it. Brandon <laughs> Bonham beat Malachi Jackson in the opening match.
0: Yeah, so so we haven't gotten to this yet, but I remember I was watching this was around the peak of my interest in that. So this is when I was watching month to month. I was getting the DVDs as they were coming out. Brandon right. Barnum. Uh, I don't think he wrestles anymore. He was in the band that still to this day does the music on their YouTube uh, trailer thingies. Oh. Um, and he's all right. He was a good little wrestler. Malachi Jackson is uh, of the Jackson brothers. He is the third young buck. Um, and he did some six mans with them around this time and it. I think he kind of got he kind of became a meme as like the shit young buck I think that was right. kind of harsh but this is because th- this was like their in-ring peak at this time so was he
1: like that? That little fat Von Eric kid.
0: He, he. I was actually. I was just about to say he was very pasty and kind of um, not in tremendous shape. Not in bad shape, but not in tremendous shape. Okay. And yeah, he was. Yeah, he was kind of the the maligned, uh, almost fake young buck. Although he was their actual
1: brother, Brandon Cutler currently of AEW. Yeah. And Dustin Cutler beat Johnny Goodtime and Jerome LTP Robinson.
0: I've oh, never heard of those yeah. people. Uh, Johnny Goodtime is in a team called the Rocknez Monsters, uh, who okay. are who are still going to this day, um, but they uh, they have not advanced beyond the, the Southern California uh, scene. Jerome LTP Roberts, I have not heard, I think, since about this era of PWG. I, I don't know if he went on to do very much. Uh, and yeah, yeah, Brandon Cutler was a part of... A tag team with, I think, his shoot brother. I, I that could be a pro wrestling brother thing. Yeah, the Cutlers. They, it's kind of funny that they are forgotten now, and and Brandon is just this kind of AEW jobber. But around this time, they were like the career rivals of the Young Bucks. They were like they had uh, many, many, many matches, and they were quite good. Um, yeah, I I don't know what what became of his brother. His alleged brother.
1: Yeah. Also on there. Paul London pinned El Generico. Very nice, yeah. It was probably a very good match. Davey Richards bested Roderick Strong. Mm. And the Young Bucks defeated the Briscoes in the main event.
0: I'm sure that was all good stuff.
1: Um, There's a couple of tweets here that I found pretty interesting. There was a lot of tweets about the volcano. I don't remember that being that long ago, unless there was another volcano issue. Where the wrestlers got stuck in Belfast because of the volcano.
0: Yeah, and they this is a, a bizarre tidbit to remember didn't they have like fake belt like swagger had like a wwe shop belt on this raw Probably. because because the actual ones are, are are you know transported with the staff or whatever and not the actual
1: wrestlers yeah but never mind the volcano there was an even bigger eruption chavo guerrero tweeted why would i egg on the world's strongest man I know, and you know, he could kill someone. If anything, I protected him by getting him thrown out. Here's the story behind this. Guerrero, in reference to a confrontation between Mark Henry and wrestling fan James McClay at the Hilton Hotel Bar in Belfast, Northern Ireland, on April 17th, Henry allegedly threw his drink at McClay after the two had exchanged words. According to McClay, Chavo Guerrero then encouraged Henry to escalate the situation, an allegation Guerrero denied. McClay was ejected from the bar by security. At Chavo's urging, Henry was later arrested and cautioned by police. Now, I remember one of our very early artworks had Mark Henry being arrested on. It was world's wrongest man. Was that the episode? (laughs) Yes, twelve. Remember the name?
0: I remember the name. Yeah,
1: I think that's the story that that's about. Like the timeline matches up pretty uh, Mm. exactly. There you go. Um. We'll move on. Uh, the Q&A section here. Is it true that Gregory Helms and Jamie Velvet Sky, I won't even try and pronounce their surname. It's S-Z-A-N-T-Y-R. Oh, geez. Is it true that they have split? I don't remember Velvet Sky and the Hurricane being a couple, but apparently they were.
0: No, yeah. I i, I remember her and Saban. I remember that because there was a the storyline.
1: Um, yeah apparently they had an acrimonious breakup in either july or august 2009 which could lead to a tense backstage atmosphere in tna if helms joins the company he <laughs> ended up doing.
0: if it might be tense if he goes like, oh, I have...
1: <laughs> it's also a good question here which obviously you know is, is common knowledge now but why did the rock wrestle in a tracksuit in his headline feud with mankind in the WWF, ninety eight to ninety nine, he got them big old titties. <laughs> yeah, he got the big old uh, odd titties. The surgery there, yeah. the old titties,
0: which uh, um, which which Meltzer said is sometimes referred to as bitch tit syndrome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in uh, Fight Club, it's referred to as that. Isn't it? Is this? Uh, isn't that what uh, Meatloaf's Meat, character? Meatloaf, did? Yeah, yeah. Meatloaf's packing a big pair. Yes. Um what else do we have here? We have a an interview which I found very interesting with Sean Devari. Oh. Recently at the time, recently of WWE and TNA. Yeah. Um let me tell you the uh, without getting into the interview itself, the the intro. There's nothing we did that I thought went too far. That's the opinion of Sean Devari, whose WWE double act with Muhammad Hassan attracted widespread condemnation in 2005 for exploiting the American people's real-life fear of terrorism in the name of entertainment. Five years on, the 26-year-old Daivari, recently seen as the equally inflammatory Sheikh Abdul Bashir in TNA, steadfastly defends his actions. I can't think of anything specifically we did on TV that came across in poor taste, he told a flabbergasted Greg Lambert on April 28th. In,
0: not, not thinking very hard, I guess.
1: No, um, he does defend specifically the um, the s- segment that uh, aired on seven seven, the day of the London bombings. Yes, um, they go through. Obviously, this is what happened. Da, 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 da. Uh, this came. then came the angle at Smackdown taping on July four, two 2005, in which you were destroyed by The Undertaker, who was then attacked by Hassan and a gang of balaclava-wearing accomplices, billed as sympathizers. They tried to choke The Undertaker with piano wire, carried you out on their shoulders. UPN, the US station which broadcasts Smackdown at the time, banned the Hassan character from its network after this angle. So, very <laughs> says um, it was that was better. an unfortunate it was an unfortunate thing that happened. In the United States, SmackDown was taped on a Tuesday. Um, actually, was taped Monday that particular week, says the editor, and aired on Thursday. The angle was basically just wrestling bullshit. It wasn't anything uh, extremely bad. What about the piano wire? Uh, the interviewer asks. It wasn't knives or torture or mutilation. It was using fake wrestling props. The thing that really sucked about it was that the final edited copy was sent to UPN late on Wednesday or early Thursday morning. But that Thursday morning in the UK, you guys had those London bombings that happened at a train station or something. (laughs) You fucking idiots. (laughs) The interviewer then says, explains, on July 7, 2005, three bombs exploded on London Underground trains and a fourth on a bus in the city. In total, 56 people, including the four suicide bombers, were killed and around 700 were injured. And he says, yeah. So that all happened the same morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our Smackdown aired that Thursday night. And then some news reporter who didn't bother doing any fact checking saw the TV program or more likely someone told him about it and then jumped all over us on Friday saying it was in horrible taste that in London that morning there was a terrorist attack and then live on SmackDown that night, WWE carried out a similar terrorist attack on television. So he seems very... Ironically, given that the angle involves sympathizers, very unsympathetic about his role in all of this. Um, they don't bring up the um, the fact that when he went to TNA that they had the... the Plain sound effect in his theme music
2: originally.
1: Yeah. That's what I brought up. Yeah. Um. They, he's asked also his opinion on drugs in wrestling. ironic, you know, he's obviously a very, very muscular man. I don't yeah. know if he was. Was he specifically named in any of those?
0: No. Like pharmacy
1: scandal that happened around the time. Maybe not.
0: No, I. I do remember when he went to TNA, though. Everyone was like, "Oh,
1: he was." Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't uh, want to allege uh, anything, but he was very, no. very muscular man.
0: <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah. And I'm not talking about his
1: penis. (laughs) Well, I I can't. can't Well, I'm not
0: talking about it. That's all I'm saying. You know.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, About drugs, he says it's unfortunate that a lot of people in wrestling have problems with drugs. I'm fortunate that I've never had an issue with them, and I can back it up. (laughs) Uh, For the majority of my career, I've been under contract to WWE and TNA. They do regular drug tests. Mm. Well. One of them certainly does. Yeah, And it's never been an issue with me, but I have had a few friends die, most recently Umaga, who only lived a few miles away from me. It's unfortunate that sometimes people have these issues that cause damage to themselves. It's heartbreaking to see what it does do to people's families. So, in- interesting interview there with uh, with very Yeah. And then one last thing I wanted to bring up was this was also the week of the TNA lockdown um pay-per-view of that year which Mm. featured you'll be stunned to hear what was referred to as a killer performance uh with ken anderson yes yes of of kurt angle Mm. who um apparently had a fabulous match by all accounts it went 20 minutes um so, I don't know. That might be something that I need to revisit. I don't remember ever seeing a good Ken Anderson match. Oh, that, that match was great. Uh,
0: I rem- yeah, I actually remember that match. This kind of feels like one of those things where we're in such a different era now where there's so much wrestling happening all the time, and it's all streaming. And I feel like I remember great matches less. I've probably seen more- better matches that I've forgotten than this match but because back in 2010 sitting up watching illegally watching the tna pay-per-view on justin.tv um (laughs) and, and you know with raw being the pits at the time that was basically the one good match i saw that month um so i actually do remember that and yeah it was it was undoubtedly the peak of anderson's career um and he was still fairly new in tna at that time so it felt like It's like, oh, wow, he's actually, you know, he's, he's, um, they've got something. Of course, he lost the match. But, um, uh, yeah, Kurt did a big mental moonsault off the top and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah,
1: yeah. There's uh, an interview with Kurt Angle in this, uh, issue as well, Mm. where he talks about the, the Karen and Jeff situation. Yes. To be fair, he comes off very well here. He says, um. Karen and I went down to TNA to help our marriage. I got her a job with TNA and she became friends with Jeff. Now somewhere along the line, and I don't know when, they fell in love. I don't know when it happened and I don't care to know when it happened. I'm on good terms with Karen and Jeff. These things happen in pro wrestling. And what, what I've learned is the best thing you can do is keep your spouse out of, the, out of your business. But I have a lot of respect for them. I have no hard feelings. I can tell you that I've made a lot of mistakes in my marriage. So I'm not one to cast any stones and say Karen was wrong for doing whatever happened and how it occurred. Um, He then goes on and says, Karen and I are doing really good. We're making sure we spend a lot of time with the kids because that's the first priority to make sure the kids are happy. I wish them well. I know they're getting married. It's one of those things where at first I was very angry. I'm not going to lie to you. But as I sat back and looked at everything, the way that Karen and I were treating each other, we were probably better off not being married. Um, Hmm. He says that she's in love with Jeff. I found a beautiful girl that I'm in love with. (laughs) I think they're both. Uh, we're better off where we are now. So he does come out very well. And then we'll close off the segment with uh, an email, which uh, talks about the recently returned edge and his prospects for his greatest wrestling match ever with Randy Orton. This is an email Uh, from uh, uh. an email from Jamie Winters. Uh, It's titled totally overrated. He says, you wrote in your issue. 190. In your review of Edge's match with Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, I expected more from Edge in this setting. How could anyone, especially someone who watches and evaluates wrestling for a living, <laughs> expect anything Expect anything from Edge in any setting? Wow. I've seen virtually every match Edge has had since he debuted in the WWF, WWE, and I'm still waiting to see what the fuss is about. He's a boring, <gasps> by-the-numbers wrestler who just completely sucks. With the, ex- with the exception of Devon Dudley... Edge did the least amount of work and took the fewest bumps of any wrestler in the famous Edge Christian Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys Ladder and TLC matches. More recently, he had a rubbish cage cage match with Chris Jericho at Extreme Rules. While I'm on the subject of Edge, I would also like to state that Edge's promos, in which he angrily says the same word twice in a row, are awful. There you go. Wow. Well then,
0: well, less than a year later, he was his career was over. I hope you're happy, James.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's an another issue of uh, Power Slam. Uh, we'll have another one maybe next week. We'll see. Yeah,
0: that is that. I like that feature. That, those are two good features we have got going there, lads. Well done. Um, uh, I enjoy that little uh, trip uh, to uh, down memory lane. Let's jump into the the wrestling here. I want to kick off with the double or nothing show. Uh, who has seen what from this broadcast? I've seen everything by the Sean Spears match. Uh
1: same. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched the show live, so I've seen the entire show, including the pre show. Uh,
0: okay, okay, how was the the uh, yeah, that pre show match looked good. What 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 was the what was the score with that?
1: It was a good if typically sloppy private party match. It was yeah. good. I did you know, it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, I thought the show kind of overall was was excellent. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really, really great um four hours of wrestling. I'm not only saying that now because I did drop twenty Europeans on it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was it was from top to bottom overachieved. um and I, this is a bit of shocker for you here, right I would even include in that. Goldust against Sean Spears. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well that's that's now let let me explain why, because we're obviously not gonna cover that match as you guys haven't seen it, but they had a four minute comedy match where Goldust pulled your man's arse out, slapped him on the arse a few times. Um he had Tully Blanchard's face on his knob on oh, his underwear. Yeah. But I would rather watch a four-minute farce, which gets one-star reviews everywhere, than a 10-minute two-star boring match. Like, for me, the worst thing that match could have been was boring. Yeah. And the fact that it was silly and the fact that it was short meant it was perfectly watchable. So I had no qualms with it.
0: Fair enough. Um, I i skipped it so I w- I won't i won't counter you but uh, i I would agree with your points in general about it overachieving um I thought the bill I was very lukewarm on this show going into it um
1: yeah I, I understand that um uh,
0: sure. and, I, and i was glad I was glad it it, it, it did overachieve because I feel like the uh, I feel like the wrestling world could have done with a real upper you know a real a real feel good fun show that that had energy to it. Uh, so we'll go just quick. Go back to the start here and just quickly run through everything. Um, I, I to start off on a negative. I I I I thought the ladder match was actually really rubbish. <laughs> I I I I thought I love I love Orange Cassidy, but I thought his stuff wasn't that good. The comedy wasn't that good. Too WWE like. I thought Marco coming in with the little ladder was WWE. Mm-hmm. Um I thought some of the other stuff, some of the bigger spots, the, the Derby thing was cool, but all, a lot of the other stuff they were doing was just too much setting up contraptions and waiting around for guys to do their spots. I was like, eh, I don't like this. And then um and I like Cage. I'm glad he's in he's in AEW. I think he's great. I don't know about this Taz thing. I I I, I don't know about that. And the music can anyone survive? Taz <laughs> What's up, guys? What is? Should Brian Cage give me? Mike, what's it, uh, this? This uh, Mike, this guy's gonna explode here. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean that uh, like that's something. That TNA tried this exact thing ten years ago, and they they quickly cut bait on it. Um, so yeah, what did you lads make of this? No,
3: normally, I don't really like uh your sort of typical multi man ladder match. Uh, and this was no exception. <laughs> it was it was long and quite uh, just boring. Too much silly, stupid stuff going on. I found Cage getting pinned under all the the stuff and the chip was just too goofy. Oh yeah, it kind of reminded me of when Big Show debuted and threw Austin through the ring and just looked like like a dumbass. And it's the same here. You got this big monster debuting and then you pin him under a giant poker chip. It's just, it just makes him look stupid. Uh, yeah and just too too much no I just didn't enjoy this at all really.
1: I really liked it and ah, I, it. I, I I found it re- very very enjoyable um and I'll disagree with you on two counts. I mm, like yeah. the cage taz, ah, <laughs> taz! <laughs> I generally like what they're doing with um all the managers they have.
0: Well, I I like that they're making managers a standard. I think that's very cool. Um, and
1: I like like they kind of had Taz with um, Darby, kind of building that, and then like I thought the direction they're going to go in then would be Cage and Darby, but obviously they're doing Cage Moxley at the at Fighterfest. Hmm. Maybe Darby is the the long the long term plan. I don't know. Well, I, I did I
0: did like that when Cage came out, Darby was on the ladder, and the finish was Cage killing. Darby, and then they they specifically cut to Taz, going, "Oh, guess that's what you get, get off. um uh, at the finish." So they, you know, even even as though I'm down on it, they still did it, you know, as well as they could. I thought they 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 drew a perfect amount of attention to the Darby connection.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have Taz, uh, Jake, Jake, uh, Aaron. Although Aaron's maybe not as strong a talker as the other two. that he has got his little high-pitched voice. I really like the Aaron uh, Jake segment from Dynamite. By the way, that was very funny.
0: Mm.
1: I'm going, I'm going to span Buster your ass.
0: It was good. And then Jake goes, ah, "Little woman."
1: <laughs> it was very, very good. Um, yeah, I like to have all the all these people who can talk, and they're using them. And like the Cody Lance build has been better for having Jake and Aaron involved. Completely. Um, So I'm all for using good talkers, which Taz is, in my opinion, pairing them with people who maybe aren't as strong in that regard, and AEW are able to do it well. Yeah. So thumbs up for me.
0: Fair enough. That's fair enough. I think you've made made a case there. Uh, We had MJF versus The Jungle Boy. Um, oh. which I have to say, I thought was, I uh, you know they've had a match on TV and it was like fine, and you know MJF is usually fine and Jungle Boy is pretty good, but I I did not expect this to be the just a a a really
1: straight up just great wrestling match, no no BS. Um, These boys have been watching their Minoru Suzuki tapes. Let me tell you, the selling here of the the limbs was New Japan main event <laughs> level stuff. <laughs> I they thought this was brilliant. Yeah, Ooh, I like this just like slowly built into like a proper stunner of a match. Oh,
3: yeah, just, just, just wrestling. Let's have a wrestle. Yeah, that blew my expectations
1: <laughs> Let's have away. A bloody wrestle.
3: Yeah, it was good. I like. I love both these guys. Oh, I like MJF in this at uh, this kind of level. I think in the main event it's not quite right, but uh, here he's really good.
1: Well, if he continues at this rate, he's gonna be like. Aside from that cody bomb mm. which i i didn't like at all the cody no me neither MGF match yeah. i'd say aside from that mjf has been pretty consistent in as you said in that kind of upper mid card but if he continues at that uh rate he's gonna he's gonna end up in, in at the top yeah very very good yeah. jungle boy let me tell you you good wrestler Ooh, and he's a sexy
3: boy as well. <laughs> the hair and the abs. Ooh,
1: the ladies love him.
0: The girls go wild for the jungle boy. Um,
1: I I think in a year or two, with the luck he has, he'll be a good heel. I'm really
0: interesting. Interesting.
1: I I think he's got potential there. Once once the Jurassic Express runs, it's it's um course he's a little small he's not marco stone small he's a little small but yeah. i i think he'll be a good little little heel yeah
0: interesting interesting yeah yeah definitely uh, uh two prospects for the for the future for this company i mean jungle is a great young wrestler to have in your your ranks and you know he can lose now and, and and be a prospect for you for maybe not even next year maybe two years in the future
1: that kind of thing
0: um so. i love
1: the finish as well i didn't catch that he had grabbed the hand the first time yeah Ugh. Oh, loved it loved the finish
0: um yeah so this was uh this was really good stuff uh so uh brit baker was injured so she missed the show Nasty injury it seems like she got on um, on Dynamite with a, a spot gone awry where Nyla Rose was basically thrown on her leg. Nasty. Um, so she was subbed out in favor of Penelope Ford, who took on Chris Statlander. Oh, this is all right. It wasn't the crispiest, smoothest match in the world, but I think I think they are both very promising uh, uh, wrestlers. I think Statlander is further along than Penelope Ford. She she feels a bit. Um, a bit work in progress but i thought this was mm. grand grand for what it
1: was
3: yeah i like statlander a lot I Think she's got good good presence Ooh. charismatic
1: i'm not a huge fan of the alien shtick no but i i would consider this also a match which kind of overachieved because obviously they, they had no build to it yeah. or yeah yeah um and didn't go particularly long but i thought i thought it was a, a strong five minutes yeah I, um, it was like the Batista match with Daniel Bryan.
0: <laughs> I almost kind of think, even though you know this was a, a fine outing and I, I appreciated them having two women's matches on the card, I thought this show, as good as it ever was, I thought the only thing that maybe would have made it better was if it was a smidge tighter. And with Baker being hurt, I almost would have said, eh, you could have cut it. You could have just had one less match. That would have been fine. Mm-hmm. um to, th- to that end i was also i couldn't believe on dynamite when sean spears said i should have a match and then jr's goes ah well fucking i'll give you a match then i guess you're gonna face Dustin Rhodes. i was like okay why are you just throwing a match on on the show like that um so i wouldn't have lost any sleep if those two matches were were caught but anyway uh what about that match paul what did you make of of, of uh the 10 guy versus gold dust
1: I, I already kind of talked about it a little bit it was it was like very silly it was complete a complete joke match but like I said I, I take that over a, a, a boring match with three times three times the length which is what I was anticipating fair enough We missed by the way Cody Lance Archer we never
0: <laughs> oh Jesus so oh, um and, it was great and the, the, the presence of Mike Tyson.
1: Yeah. He's in good shape. I uh,
0: yeah, but well, it was weird seeing him. Uh he came out. He looked v- he looks like um uh maybe an old man who'd maybe lost his beans who was wandering around uh tes- <laughs> Tesco. Um uh I did appreciate his reaction when Lance Archer came out and killed a jabron
1: Um I liked when he let oh. a big yawn out. I liked <laughs> when he yawned, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, give him a break. He is fucking 60,
1: fucking whatever the fuck. They, they cut away from him as quickly as they could. Oh my God, he's yawning at the, the match. Oh.
0: And it's, it's, it's Matt, because he's going to be on Dynamite on Wednesday, which is which is interesting. But it's like, yeah, he came out, he, he presented the belt. Oh, I felt bad for him, because everyone was slagging the belt off. But Tony did say on commentary, he's like, the belt's not finished, you know, coronavirus-related delays. Um... Which is weird. I, I thought the belt looked
1: grand, to be fair. I
0: yeah, I didn't, I didn't love it, but it, it was like it's It says a lot about Cody and his promotion that you could completely buy that this fairly basic sort of territory era looking belt that's just silver on red could absolutely believe that was the finished product. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they did a good match. I didn't think it was a great match, but um, I thought it was pretty good. Asher Archer's great. I mean, he's he's. Um, He's he's a, a great big man and uh, even though I, I, I wasn't expecting him to lose this early in his run, the second they announced this belt, I was like, this is 100% going to be the Cody belt, so I,
1: I was fine with that. Yeah, they had to get um, Cody and Mike for ESPN whatever, which I looked up, by the way, and it, that, that story was on ESPN. Mike Tyson. The, the, um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought they did a a good job of beating Lance Archer but making him look strong. Like what I liked about the match is Lance as every time he does a move will kind of pause and look around and jawjack with the crowd and all of that. And I like the idea of because they brought up Cody and his him being a bit a bit lighter and having a better stamina. And I was like, yeah, maybe maybe Lance. Is doing like I obviously looking into maybe stuff that's not there, but like Lance is, is does that because he has to kind of pace himself or he's gonna gas, you know. And so I like that it kind of became a battle of attrition mm. and um I thought they did a good job of kind of protecting Lance and making him look good, even though he lost, like he really pushed Cody to the limit. Yeah. Um, I know Barry, you and I have the same little concern about what they did with Aaron and Jake towards the end
0: yeah yeah Aaron cheated uh while remsburg was distracted remsburg was the ref and then paul turner just ran out from the back today he's cheating get out of here And I was just like, especially in AEW where you you kind of feel like they're going to try and get away from that stuff. Anytime you do a thing in wrestling where another referee comes out and says, hey, there's cheating going on. And they reverse a decision or they they go back on something or one referee points out something that the other ref didn't see. To me, all you do is then draw attention to all the other times that doesn't happen, um, uh, including on this show. Um and I, I I would rather they not do that because you, should, you don't don't do things that that hypothetically if this were real um should should be a precedent you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't like also the way they led into it, where Jake got up on the apron for no reason,
2: hmm. so
1: that Aaron could then cheat. Like, why was Jake up there in the first place? Like, I don't think. Cody was even kind of in control. He wasn't like distracting Cody. He's just standing on the apron, giving out to the referee. You need to have a reason for Jake to get on the apron. Like put the thought into that first. Yeah, maybe Cody is 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 taking control of the match. Ah, oh, Archer's all oh, he's gonna go, and then Jake's up on the apron, and then lead to distraction. But there was really, I I didn't feel like that was justified for then Aaron to cheat, and then and then of course Jake gets down as soon as Aaron's, Aaron's cheated. I'm like. I think I think and that's the Arn thing about,
0: about about Cody's matches though. It's not just there's not just some shenanigans in his match, there's always like two or three moving parts, and sometimes it's just a little bit much. He has Dustin out there and, and he has Brandy out there, and Dustin accidentally runs into Brandy, and then Brandy comes out and she's limping, and then Aaron's distracted because Brandy's limping and Cody's annoyed because I's distracted. I'm like, oh my god. It's like like a lot of it works, but sometimes I'm just like, all right, just have a fucking match, dude.
1: Just have a match. Okay. I did want to give them some credit, because initially what I thought was happening was Aaron was being thrown out, and I was like, oh, so Jake got up on the apron to kind of tempt Aaron into cheating. Aaron falls right into the trap, because Jake is the smarter, mm. sly, conniving. But then Jake got thrown out, too, and I was like, oh, well, fuck it, then. Yeah. Anyway. The match was real good.
0: The match was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if... I I, I don't imagine there's going to be any kind of action. So we talked last week about it. I I assume there is not going to be physicality involving Jake. There wasn't any on this show. Uh, Mike Tyson ran him off towards the end. Um, Mm. But um, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see what this week's Dynamite holds. Um,
1: I'll say that much. I want to see Aaron give him a spine buster. That's the, the real payoff of this feud. Mike Tyson. (laughs) <laughs> no jake ah okay um, i was hoping actually that tyson was gonna have a a Shawn michaels on the first smackdown style like heel turn almost okay yeah yeah i thought that would have been interesting and i'll like i think it would sue tyson i think he'd be he'd be into that and i think you would have got equal kind of play on the sports uh, websites, you know, dastardly Tyson, you know, but like a bit of crack, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of doing nothing, and ultimately it meaning nothing. Yeah. But um, the whole
0: thing was just weird. He's sitting there bored, like just I don't know. Uh, beyond that, we did have a women's championship match, um, which was uh, great stuff. H- Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose and I have to say this was a a, a fantastic uh, uh, brawl with some some really great high spots
1: yeah it was like a really good 90s WWF main event and I mean that as a compliment a lot of of fighting in, in the crowd obviously there's no crowd fighting in the crowd, fighting up the ramp way Hmm. good good spots as you said uh using a lot of the kind of casino props yeah really really good probably the best nyla rose match i've seen and probably the best sheeta match i've seen
0: yeah yeah i, th- I think so as well uh, even though you know i i, I think Sheeta's is very good i think this is up there with the best i've seen of her yeah and nyla as well yeah two great talents and again two you know kind of like mjf and and um Jungle Boy, you know, two good prospects to have. They're only going to get better, and I, I'm really interested to see what this division's going to do with with Sheeta as the central figure, um, because uh, I think she's 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 kind of unofficially felt like that for quite a while. Um, so yeah.
1: Well, I remember when they did the the big Joshi tag match at one of the first shows. Yeah, that Sheeta to me was the one who stood out.
0: Mm, Saved. Um, yeah. So
1: it's nice that's kind of come full circle, yeah.
0: Uh, So yeah, that was great. One uh, So this next match I thought was also great. Bit kind of weird having two kind of uh, all out brawls right next to each other, but uh, they were they were both good. Uh, Moxley retained the AEW championship over Brody Lee, regained possession of the belt. Um, I thought Brody had a pretty... He had a, a wonky showing on that go-home show, uh, to say the least. And I think this was one of the matches that was the reason we all kind of agreed that the build to this was so-so um, uh, because it just did not feel like there was a lot of juice behind this particular match. But on the night, they, they went all out. They had a great brawl. Again, they went all over the building. They were throwing shit at each other. Uh, Brody got to show off his agility you know Moxley was Moxley he did his whole thing and uh, i thought the finish in particular was was absolutely fantastic yeah
3: yeah i enjoyed i enjoyed it um i think for those last few matches they were sort of good but none of them blew me away okay like, there's nothing bad but i was not kind of i don't know i just struggled struggled to kind of see Moxley versus uh Brody Lears. as that that kind of High level main event match, it was it yeah. was good, but I could kind of see it more as like a TV match at this point. But uh, yeah, it was, it was it was good.
1: I'd be interested in seeing more Moxley probably lead to mm. be honest. Maybe with a bit of a stronger build behind it to elevate it a little bit. But I like the the DDT DDT through the stage at the end, and then the the Bulldog choke, which big uh, props to x yeah uh, called it correctly there whereas a lesser man would have called it a rear naked mm. so good for
0: him and um, um, yeah i love that they they did a good job to protect brody in his first big loss getting him kicking out of all the moves and oh the first kick out and moxie's clawing his cut on his head and oh it was great and then putting him in the choke and the referee had to stop the match because brody wouldn't stay down brilliant uh, aew is like legitimately very good at like being creative with their finishes and getting, getting something over other than and then the guy hit his move and won.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh. So, go on.
1: Well, you had that in the MGF match here. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I don't remember. But I I liked it. And
0: that leads us to uh, the main event. Uh, In what some would say is the best match of the pandemic era. Which is (laughs) quite a weird uh, uh, accolade. But there you go. Stadium Stampede. As the Elite and Matt Hardy defeated the Inner Circle. Oh my goodness, lads. What did we make of this? I thought this was... 40 of the most entertaining minutes I have had watching wrestling in I don't know how long it was hilarious there was great action it was exciting, it was completely different and unpredictable, I absolutely loved it
3: Yeah, I thought, I thought it was fun, um, I think early on it was dragging a little bit for me but then mm. once it got to the uh, proud and powerful Matt Hardy in the ball <laughs> segment everything after that from there onwards it was it was fantastic like uh, the stuff in the bar um you know th- locking him in the in the ice box, <laughs> the horse the yeah the the penalty the um Jericho going to var because he, he wanted to replay the, <laughs> the two
0: count was great oh, Jericho doing his move on the mascars. Um, oh that
3: was hilarious
0: like it would have been funny if he just shoved him but of course he had to do the Judas <laughs> effect he had to do a stupid move to the mascot <laughs> oh my god it was so it was just so so fun did you did you both see the video <laughs> of <laughs> of uh, uh, Marge looking at Sammy Guevara <laughs> through the telescope oh yeah <laughs> It's not moving. He's just tired from all the moving he did before you got here. <laughs> oh, Sammy is great. I love this I love this running joke of Sammy being chased through the arena. Yeah, that's good shit. Um yeah, and the bar brawl was hilarious and just and like a, a legitimately great brawl as well. The two big lads throwing down over booze. Just, oh god. Adam Adam Page has had two appearances since this all started, and they've both been incredible.
1: Yeah, it was it was every bit as entertaining as Money in the Bank wasn't. Yeah,
0: sure. that, that, yeah, that was the direct comparison. Like you couldn't say they were not similar, but like they couldn't be further apart in terms of quality. Like, in terms of getting it, in terms of getting it, like (laughs) Matt Jackson doing the rolling northern lights, the entire length of the football field, like that's actually a joke. And it's like playing off an established thing that he does, uh, you know, juxtaposed with the fact they're on a big, long football field, as opposed to if um, Sammy Guevara went looking for Matt Jackson, he's like, oh, I've just done a poop in there, Sammy, you better walk (laughs) out. (laughs) <laughs> and, then, and then QT Marshall came out of the next stall and he went P.U. Mass." and then and then and then Jerry Lynn came out of the other stall and he went Judgment Day <laughs> none of that sh- 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 shit I'm not even that big on the Matt Hardy stuff but I did laugh at the when he popped up and did the version one and the Matt facts
1: it was like oh Oh, brilliant. Uh, and then big I loved uh the sorry, the, the MVP for me was um Ortiz again. As always. Not knowing how to swim <laughs> yeah, in yeah. in the the three foot shallow pool. Why is there a pool in the football stadium anyway, by the way? Yeah, what's yeah. the Is that is like four Rid- Is or something, is
3: it? Yeah, that I think that's like a a box you can get where you sit in the pool and watch the game.
0: Jesus, oh my god, Americans it's, know how to live. It's Florida,
3: you know, yeah, I kind of think they go up to there. Oh, oh
0: my god, but I love that they had that they thought to use that. Um, uh, in the midst so of all that, um, yes, yeah. Just, just uh, tremendous fun. And like, I had loads of like legitimately cool spots as well, like Hangman doing the, the clothesline of Kenny's back. Oh my god, ah <sighs> That was brilliant. brilliant. Uh, t- took a nasty bump on that pool table, though. I wouldn't be a fan of doing that uh, very often. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so that was that was tremendous, and that capped off a, a really 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 fun pay per view. Uh.
1: Yeah, in a sense, it kind of reinvigorated my my wrestling fandom. Insofar as it reminded me that I can still be thoroughly entertained by like a four hour pay-per-view you know and this wasn't even one of the main pay-per-views in front of no crowd and still it was like as good as anything else out there it was great
0: and um yeah and it's it's pretty tough in this era to to have a a show like this that um that feels worth the time and the money so um Anyway, sure, that was uh, that was double or nothing. Uh, did we all watch The Dark Side of the Ring this week?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, as usual with, with, with Dark Side of the Ring, I, I did not feel like there was anything uh, revelatory on it. In fact, I feel like you probably could have gone for another double episode. But, uh, you know, I thought the interviews were great. I thought it was really, really interesting to see Martha Hart and, and Owen's two kids uh, bear their soul on it. Um, uh, which, uh, it felt very real. Like we, like we said about the Benoit thing, it was kind of the first time really thinking about it in a, in a real rational way for a a very very long time, and I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit.
3: Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I think obviously the most interesting part was seeing the kids and Martha, kind of what they're like now, and having seen that, seeing them growing up. Kind of hearing their story, because that's never really come out um, in the intervening years. Uh, Seeing that was interesting, just being reminded how kind of evil and calloused WWE is, essentially. Um, But yeah, it was was sad. But again, uh, if you're a, a kind of big wrestling fan, you probably would be very familiar with all the facts of the
0: case. Uh yeah, anything else, Paul, on that one?
1: No, I think you guys have said it mm. all pretty much. Um, I didn't read it. Don't read of any other. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, sure. did you watch the next part of the Undertaker? I can't believe there's three episodes of this fucking Undertaker thing. Like, how many times is he gonna say oh, And then I realize I'm old and shit. Oh. <laughs> <that's fucked. laughs> <sighs> back hurts but
1: then
0: then again i suppose he has had he has had a million comeback matches i guess
1: yeah well this one took a different kind of slant to it where episode one was about the roman reigns match at 33 then we had the cena match 34 this one took a step back to to the good old times and it covered kind of the four-year stretch from the first Sean match to the second Triple H match and the end of an era. Um uh, which you know I I would have nearly preferred this episode earlier on to kind of set the scene and and contextualize the the, the challenge of the Undertaker because they start they almost start episode 1 with this guy is all fucking beat up and he can't have a good match anymore. You sh- they sh- kind of should have started with like, look where this guy's coming from to-, to put in context his, you know, internal struggle. And they have the Sean match. He's so happy with the Sean matches. He loves, so happy with the Triple H matches. Doesn't mention that CM Punk match in the middle. The no,
0: world. I was about to ask about that. <laughs>
1: um, so it's 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 more of a happier episode, I guess, in a sense. Before it finally culminates with the um, the Undertaker Triple H match from Super Showdown in Australia, which I'm pretty sure I watched live and completely forgot it ever took place. Um, And then leading to the tag match where Sean came back, which they don't really go into depth on sean coming out of retirement for that match or kind of what that meant to him yeah i would have because i think that would have been interesting and again that would have given extra context to undertaker's own struggle if they had Mm. been like okay sean you've come you've come back for this one match and now your final match is this like train wreck and and he if he had said like that's okay i know what i've done and i can still leave with my head high then that would have But like, again, another kind of angle to what this documentary is, because it is a little bit, as you say, Barry, a little bit one note. I think it is very interesting still to see behind the scenes, especially someone like Undertaker. But that would have been something that would have given a little extra twist to it. You know, but unfortunately, they they didn't ask him that. And that's not really touched on. They go a little bit into his relationship with Kane. There's a great shot from like backstage 90s WWF with Kane. Without his mask on, which I've Ooh. never seen before. Kane in his his old Kane gear with the bushy red hair and his little eyes painted black, like a little raccoon boy. Um so yeah, it was a good episode, um, insofar as it kind of took a step off the beaten track. But uh I I, I from from a from a sadist point of view, I'm I can't help but be intrigued by like next week is <laughs> the hit Undertaker not being on WrestleMania, and you see there's a kid from backstage going, Well, you know, I should be out there. Um, and then also the Goldberg match. Oh,
0: oh god, god, they're getting hours of content out of all these stinkers he had. It's crazy,
1: <laughs> but it is great because it's you know, that's that's ultimately the story is, is the older he gets, the further. He gets away from having that great last match, rather than leading up to it. Um.
0: I assume the culmination of this, the, the 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 quote unquote happy ending, is he'll get to talk about it. We got to do the boneyard match, and it was cool. You know, maybe. Um, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, interesting. Interesting. I haven't watched any of it, but it sounds interesting from hearing you you chat about it on on the last few shows. Uh, one quick news item that just broke here. Uh, um, oh God! Uh, before uh, while we're on air, uh, so so it seems like WWE is finally going to do the thing where they're going to put some some talent in the crowd for Raw. Um, uh, which AEW, I mean AEW, was doing that two months ago. Now they've got people scattered all over this fucking building. They've got they've got more they've got more in there than 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 fucking Ring of Honor has at a show. They charge people for. Um, uh, they, they really had people putting in work on that most recent on double or nothing. Uh, so, but they're going to be doing it. They're going to have, um, like, like, I, like what sounds like plexiglass, plexiglass dividers. Um, um, so I, I don't know what this is going to look like. This is all the, this is the, the rumor before the show comes on air later on. I, I'm just picturing... Elimination the ring. Chamber I'm of Crowds. I'm picturing, yeah, the pods all around the rig. And it's just <laughs> like... And they've just got Aaliyah from NXT, and they're like... Oh, 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 oh. Boom, 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 banging on the fucking picture glass. And then Goldberg spears someone through it. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm actually... For once, I'm curious to check out Raw tomorrow, like, tomorrow morning and just see what the fuck did it look like. Um... Yeah, it's weird because it, 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 we're now kind of seeing a diverge in, in, in the path between the, the, the way the two companies are doing this because AEW seems to just say, oh, look, forget it. We're not going to we're not going to have people spaced out. We're testing everyone who comes in. If they if they're positive, they can attend and they're just going to stand next to each other, which I which I guess if you insist on doing these shows makes sense. Right. If you're going to test them coming in. Um, right. whereas WWE I believe it, I don't think they've given a straight answer but I don't believe they're testing everyone so I guess their thing is just we're going to put everyone in the crowd and put dividers between them Um. Uh, well, I will see what this looks like I'm curious
1: that reminds me actually in the Undertaker documentary where they're talking about the first Triple H match yeah speaking of plexiglass dividers the fucking Michael Cole thing in the background. The, the big coal flag, mine. Plexiglass cube. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that almost ruins that. Like, that pay-per-view wasn't much good in the first place, but that almost ruins that whole pay-per-view. That stupid thing being in the background of every match. And uh, yeah,
0: and, but also, like, Undertaker and Triple H, they did a spot with it, didn't they? Uh,
1: well, they did a, what, a spine buster through a table next to it. Oh, I know the, that. It, yeah, it it ended up being all like sideways and
0: yeah, and knocked over. And he's in it in his orange out. Oh god, so stupid, so fucking stupid. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so that that be the the this one final story here. Uh, follow up from from last week. Uh, I think as we were recording, I think the Shad Gaspard story was um, uh still developing. They did unfortunately, or, or you know. Um, uh, find his uh, his body washed up on shore, which was uh, very very sad. Um, although you know, in a, in a, in a roundabout way, when you consider where the story was last week, you know, it's that little bit of closure for his for his family. I suppose I don't think anyone wants that. Um, yeah, that thing. I actually, you know, I have a uh, a friend of our family that has a relative that was washed away at sea and never recovered, and it was to this day it's still quite the. Uh, draining thing for them cuz they never they never got to have the proper funeral or anything. So I suppose in that regards um I suppose it's it, it, it's good that they were able to make peace with it. But uh, the horrible story, I mean just really terrible. Um yeah. Uh, felt bad for for him and his family. Lots of nice tributes across wrestling for for him. Uh, and also just you know capping off just the the worst week of wrestling news i can remember in in, in recent memory They also had the passing of uh hannah kimura uh of stardom fame uh she was also a uh reality tv star on on terrace house which is or terrace house i guess is the the is the whichever way you want to pronounce it um uh in japan which has also got like something of a cult following over here and it seems like she was dealing with a lot of uh um like a lot, a lot of targeted abuse stemming from something that happened on the show. Apparently, she had some kind of confrontation with someone on the show um, that that caused her to be, you know, you know yourself. We've all watched your Big Brother and everything else for years over here. So she was the villain uh, within the, within the narrative of that show, which set people off to to just be as as horrible to her as we know people can be. And uh, it came out there a couple of days ago that she she took her own life, which is just horrible um uh completely horrible and uh you know it just insanely 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 uh, upsetting to to see someone at the age of twenty two do that uh very very upsetting and again you know tributes from across uh, uh wrestling were 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 very uh were very common and they were all very sweet and uh, and a lot of people had a lot of lovely things to say about her it seemed like she was very well regarded as a um uh, uh something of a, of a a friendly face by all the English speakers who went over to stardom she was a uh, everyone from from uh you know like Martina and Jamie Hayter and Zia brookside everyone every English speaker who passed through stardom seemed to say that they they had you know a wonderful experience uh, with 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 her teaching them Japanese and them learning uh, and then them teaching her English and things like that just just it's horrible it's just really really horrible. Um, to see such a a well liked person go so young in those circumstances, but um, yeah, that if if I I I hope we don't get another week resembling this one <laughs> for the rest of the year. I mean, it's just it's just it's just been very draining.
1: Yeah, this it's been a couple of weeks. Um, but like we had. One one thing we didn't even talk about, because I had absolutely no desire to discuss, was the Alberto Del Rio thing as well. Oh, oh yeah. It's just, it's just been horrible story after horrible story after horrible story. So let's have we had a real fun, double or nothing. Yeah. Let's kind of hopefully get a little bit more positivity going forward from there
0: yeah absolutely um and also like you know like the owen documentary being this week it's like obviously that is not a new story but it's like you know it, it was the it was the topic of the day for a couple of days and that's not a nice story either um and, and that also brings out a lot of the worst in people but yeah so hopefully that you know we can um we can have a a reprieve from from all these horrible goings on but obviously lots of um uh, well wishes to all those who, who knew or even were just fans of of, of kimura or, or gaspar they were by all accounts to two very positive influences in the industry so and so uh, uh on, on that note i will awkwardly transition to the outro here um uh the uh, we'll be back next week chatting about do we have it we don't have any pay-per-views or anything coming up um oh um the 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 goddamn greatest professional match of all time is happening on Sunday, is it not?
1: Well, according to Power Slam Magazine, Barry, Edge is a big old heap of shit.
2: <laughs> also, <laughs> I
1: forgot to talk about it, right? This is CSP Has has Issues Part 2. It's in the uh, the TV rundown. Where is it
0: now? Da, 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 da.
1: Yeah. So this is from, as I mentioned, June 2010. Edge began his heel turn on the April 26th Raw when he hit the ring and speared Randy Orton Ooh. in the orton Batista the Seamus triple threat match. Um, the Edge-Orton feud and Rated-R heel turn became official in an installment of the Cutting Edge on May 3rd Raw. Edge invited Orton to reform their Rated RKO team. Sound familiar? When Orton refused to respond to his gracious offer, Edge's demeanour changed. He ranted about how the draft had ruined his plans to capture the world title from Jack Swagger and yelled at Orton. Following a scruffle, the Viper closed the segment by nailing Edge with an RKO. So they've been recycling this feud for a decade.
0: <laughs> uh, um yeah, well, uh this this um this Sunday, we'll have another edition of CSP where we'll preview that recycled match. Uh, I feel like, honestly, we could dedicate an entire podcast to just trying to down dissect the mentality of the of the greatest match ever billing that they're doing. I can't tell if they're being earnest and they just think that this is a selling point or if it's like Spike because everyone hated the last match. You could honestly just sit here and try and get in their their bizarre mind frames forever but we won't do that now uh and also just uh, uh more of the usual uh, we'll have an AEW follow-up live again this week we're going to talk about uh, Elimination Chamber Raw um uh and uh <laughs> probably a, a Simpsons update and um uh uh, yeah, just all the other all the other things we're working on. So, thanks very much for listening, folks. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the last two weeks of shows, in spite of the uh, 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 the, the crappy news. Uh, you know, we'd like to to chat about it, but also, you know, you know, try and try and still have a show that can maybe take the mind off it and all that. Um, so, we hope you appreciated it. Uh, pop over to chairshoppodcast.com if you want to send us an email, or pod on Twitter if you want to be very modern and use the social media. Um, Yes, so uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner.
1: Goodbye.
0: And it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin.
1: Goodbye.